What is the Scorpio, and what does it mean for PlayStation's future? Let's find out together. Hello and welcome uh, to episode two of Triangle Squared PlayStation Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me... Saul Bridges. Yeah, you bastard. Um, anyway, uh, we're <laughs> uh, episode two here, we're going to focus on, when we get to the main topic, we're going to focus on what the Scorpio is, and there was some interesting stuff released this week regarding specs, so that actually helps my talking point. Impressive um, stuff, too. But yeah, it looks like an impressive machine. Um, but before we get into that, we're kind of just, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about some other stuff. And so hopefully you'll stick around with us and hear our thoughts on that. Uh, but before we get into that, what have you been playing this week, Sal? So? Dark Souls 3. Dark Souls 3. Hey, like, I, I don't think I told you this. Dark Souls 3 was my game of the year for last year. Okay. I'm trying to think of all the games that released last year that would be worthy contenders. Yeah. Um, Uncharted, obviously up there. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other. I mean, really big releases because Dark Souls Three was really good. Um, I remember looking at my yeah. I did exactly what you just did. I remember <laughs> looking at my game tower and I'm just like, what other games came out in 2016 that was better than this? 2016 was kind of an odd year for PlayStation. It was it not did. a lot of releases, but I guess big enough releases. You know? Oh yeah, and um, trying to get that platinum right now really is all I'm really worried about. Um, yeah. I've already played and beaten it. Probably three times, I think. Uh, New New Game Plus three, I think, is where I left off at. Okay. So, I was just staring at it the other day, and I was like, you know what? I want to play the Ringed City, which is the new DLC. You so, did pick it up. I didn't pick the DLC up yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I, I will. They're coming out with the collector's edition. Did kind you of. play the? I can't remember what it's called. But the one before that? Yes. No, I didn't. Okay. Um, well, that was the one that kind of got torn apart when it came to. Uh, when it came to reviews and stuff, people yeah. were saying it really wasn't valuable DLC and in the, the long run. I mean, for obviously people who want to play more of the game, they're going to play more of it that way. Yeah. But, I mean, in terms of normal standard people, um, fans of the series who really just were wanting to find a good reason to come back, they didn't really think it fit. But I've had even personal friends of mine who love the series message me and tell me that the new one I need to play. And, you know, I'm one of those weird people that I never play. The, the, like DLCs the DLCs for these games for these kind of games it's like I beat them and then I'm kind of done with them I still I wanted to play the old hunters yeah uh, and I never did and, I, and it's not a hit to the to the content it's just that if I'm going to hop back into a game like Bloodborne I'd rather it be Bloodborne 2 with a whole new entire game's length worth of stuff yeah does that make sense there's something like what? it feels weird to only play it I mean and I don't know how long the old hunters is but let's just say it's four to six hours worth of content yeah. I don't think that it's enough for me to well, hop back into those games because those games I like that they're kind of long and they're kind of like you can run through them quickly but you know first time typically you're going to be doing and to start the old hunters you have to go to the boss fight if I could be mistaken but it is the boss fight that takes place in the cathedral ward yeah the uh, the dog and that Vicario Amelia yeah that's okay. how that's Vicario Amelia whatever it is and it may it may be as that boss fight happens <laughs> or it may be going back to that location but um that seems like a pretty weird time to start DLC that you'd want to be on New Game Plus. And I, you might have to be. I'm not too sure. I think you I probably would have to. I mean, I don't know, though. It could be first time around you get to go off into that. But you'd imagine if it's going to be DLC, they could have 
rolled it into where it's balanced to be wherever you're at in the game. It just kind of balances itself. Uh, yeah, with Dark Souls and Bloodborne, I don't know if, that, <laughs> if that's how they roll. But yeah, um, yeah, pretty much just Dark Souls three. I okay, beat, so uh, working towards the platinum. Yeah, I beat uh, Shovel Knight last weekend. You know, yep. we we filmed this last <laughs> weekend, and then that following Sunday. Uh, beat Shovel Knight. I was going to play through. For your first time on PlayStation, right? On PlayStation right, console. yeah, because yeah. I, I played and beat it on 3DS. Um, I was I started the um, Spectral Knight. Uh, DLC? DLC, or no. It was the Plague Doctor. Okay, the first one. Right? Yeah. Because so, Spectral Knight's the new one, right? Yeah, and I played probably about 20 minutes of that, and then I was just kind of Shovel Knighted out. I was kind of like, I'm, I'm going to play something on my PS4, because since I got my Vita... I turned on my PS4 to play Nier for four or five hours and to play Kingdom Hearts 1.5 for four or five hours. Okay. And so, what about you, though? What have you been playing? What have you been up to? I uh, spent most of the week um, playing Zelda on Switch, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, but that's just because I was playing small spurts of stuff and I didn't feel like it was worth turning the console on. Yeah. Um, and coming back here, because, you know, this is really my, my normal place. And typically I do, but work's been so hectic it hasn't been working out that way. Right. Uh, but finally, me and uh, Hannah went to Target. It's my wife. I love her. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, me and Hannah went to Target, and I saw somebody on a, one of the Facebook groups I'm in that showed, I told you about it last week, um, showed Batman clearance out for $10. Yeah. And I didn't know if that held or not, but we happened to be at Target, so I walked by and looked. Of course, bam, there, $10. Yep. And I was like, never cool. played a Telltale game. It's, it's, a, it's a fun experience. Here's my time, yeah, you know what I mean? A lot of people, they get kind of flack. They, the games get flack from a lot of people because of the, the way it's played. I, I, I have it. I have my thoughts, and I guess we'll go into those. And I'll go ahead. I mean, it's not like we're, you know... It's not like anybody comes to us for really important shit. <laughs> Definitely not at this moment. <laughs> but um, it's... I respect the way that they play. And I've beaten Batman, uh, a Telltale series now. Um, so I feel like I can actually kind of speak on it incomplete. Yeah. Uh, the games are optimized very poorly. And Damn. this is even playing it on PS4 Pro with boost mode activated. Uh, it helped... In the beginning, but as I continued to go through episodes, it crashed on me in the middle of episode four, um, yeah, which which annoyed me. But the game saves often enough that I think that they, it's sad that it seems like they know that their games crash often enough that they've got to save yeah, a decent amount to keep from losing any information. But tell us why the Borderland wasn't that bad performance wise. There's frame rate drops here and there. It's but weird. Really, it, episode four and episode five gave me more problems than anything else. And it came like I started episode five and I, I beat this right. Right before we started recording this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so right before you got here, I beat it. Um, and episode five, at the very beginning, the first... I don't know what you call it, the act of the episode, I guess, is what it would be. Yeah. Uh, the first act, I mean, it was laggy as hell. Hannah walked in and was like, what in the hell's going on? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I was like, I may have to restart my PlayStation. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> then that act ends, and it goes in, shows a little loading symbol and the saving symbol. The next thing starts, it runs perfect. perfectly fine. That's weird. <laughs> but um, So it was very odd, but I do want to say the games are very pretty. I think the art style is very good, but yes. my boy Troy an- Baker in there too. Animations awkward as fuck. Really? And and I, I feel like that'd be the same in the other games. Animations are super awkward, and they often don't even feel like it'd be a human doing it. And, Tell us and, about Borderlands. And just in general, the game runs so poorly, and and no and stuff like that. Animations. I feel like if they would just get a new engine and kind of delve a little bit I, I feel like it wasn't necessarily next gen I feel like that was a PS3 experience I will say that Tales from the Borderlands there is a part in either the second to last episode or the last episode of chapter uh, where there's enough emotion in that game to make me tear up oh no dude Batman's so, awesome but here's the thing going into what I think about them so far this being my first one I'm definitely more willing to try future Tales games yeah. or Telltale games but it does come down to a point of 
I feel like the only thing really keeping me playing this was specifically that it was Batman and that it's a franchise I care about. Yeah. Like, here's the, the problem with it is, is I don't care for the Walking Dead TV series. So, you know, I've had people tell me to play the Walking Dead game series. Well, since I'm not already into the Walking Dead, I don't kinda, feel like I would be able to play this and really care. The reason I cared about this is I was like, what an interesting t- twist on Batman. Yeah. You know and what see, I mean? I'm a fan of So it came down to be like, okay, well, here's, here's Batman. Here's characters you already know. Here's our twist on them. And yeah. I thought that was awesome. And that, that actually, sense. that made it way cooler. And the way the story ends up playing out and the way that your choices really affect stuff, I thought that's awesome. And it reminded me of my time with Heavy Rain yeah. to a smaller extent. It does, it's a oh. very thin down oh, version yeah. of, of, of a, a Quantic Dream very game. Dense. Um, but it comes down to, there's definitely going to be uh, a season two for Batman. A. Good. Uh, if there's not, I would be mind blown. Good, because I, if, if I buy it, I'd like to play binge play it all, so I'm gonna wait till they all come out and binge play them all. Uh, if I were you, I'd just do season one because the, the the arc is very contained. Yeah, Does that well, make sense? yeah, and see if uh, if I could find it at clearance, clearance out of Target. I'd they still have copies. Give it a try. So could, um, Ten dollars. I feel like this was the most I was willing to spend to try one of these games. And that's out. the complete first episode, right? Or it's the complete first season. Season. All five okay. episodes of the first season. That's kind of confusing the way they title things. Yeah, so, I know. But, um, but yeah, I may have to go pick it up then if they still still have it on my next off day. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, fun, easy platinum. I mean, and you know, while I gave you shit for My Name is Mayo, that's because literally you bought the game with the intention of a trophy. I bought this game with the intention of seeing if I liked it. Yeah. The worst case scenario in my in my apartment was like, you, if I don't like it, and, it and it's not that bad, if I don't love it, but it's not that bad, it's a good platinum, yeah. and at least it's something out of it. But, you know, I have a hard time just buying a game, because otherwise I would just buy The Walking Dead and play through it, regardless of whether I like it. But I'm not going to do that until something shows me otherwise, and I yeah. just can't. Yeah, and see, that's something me and Annie... Um, we're thinking about doing because you know we're fans of the show. We haven't. We're not current. I told Hannah she could play this originally because my thought was that she'd be able to. But you know, actually, the way the games interact, in terms of the way you've got to make movements, at least in Batman, it's kind of fast paced. And if you hit the wrong buttons, you do die. Uh, and I was kind of surprised by that. It's not completely surprising. Yeah. And death not is not finite in those games. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's not that you die and then the, that character's dead, like in a game like Heavy Rain or something. Yeah. Uh, instead, it's just that okay, Batman died. You're gonna retry this section. Yeah, so, and that makes sense because you know yeah. you can easily go back and resume where you left off. Yeah. And yeah. Continue on with your little your little adventure. Well, not to drag too into what we've been playing. I guess we rambled on a little there, but I, I do think it was very interesting the way that they didn't working out. Um, but, you know, interesting game. I'd, I'd say pick up Batman if you haven't yet. Really fun, really good. Um, and fun in the sense of if you like Batman and you like the characters, then you're going to care about what's going on here because it's an interesting and refreshing twist, actually, on characters you've seen forever. Right, and that's always something that's welcome in And it's of one series. of those weird things. Is I don't like Superman, but I actually feel like if they made a Superman one, I might actually care because it'd be, at least be something new and a twist on Superman. And I feel like Superman's been... This is my personal opinion, but I feel like Superman's kind of been running the ground. There's not a lot of freshness you could do with him, but if they yeah. found a way, then I, I would definitely appreciate it. Yeah, I, I can't stand Superman in any form. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> all but, right, you know, with uh, playing these, I've been kind of on the outlook of games that have been coming out lately. Um, really, really interested in E3 soon. So we got to definitely yeah, cover that. E3 coming, uh, and definitely the shakeup of E3 where Microsoft moved to Sunday and yeah, and Bethesda is on, on Monday. I think Bethesda is still on Sunday, but Sunday, it's Sunday afternoon. Uh, and then Sony looks to be holding their typical Monday spot, which is Good. pretty interesting. Yeah, so. I hope I get that day off so we can we There's going to be a lot of like stuff, but uh, let's go ahead and talk about the games coming out this week. Sure thing. Um, First game is A Rose in Twilight, which is a PS Vita game. And it's definitely interesting looking. It's a platformer. Uh, game description is 
In a rose in twilight, a girl awakens in a castle void of color and time, affixed with a cur curse of thrones upon her back. After meeting a sleeping giant, the two work together to escape. So I actually saw that this was a Vita game and had to go look up gameplay footage because I was interested. It looks pretty cool. It reminds me kind of of Ori in the Blind Forest, where mm -hmm. you have kind of like this co-op-y kind of thing going on. I can't tell if you take control of one character and then you take control of another and kind of help you yourself out. Between yeah. The two, yeah. Um, or I can't tell if that's AI, but it looks pretty cool regardless. Um, and I'm really excited for it. I'm always excited for anything PSV, okay. especially platformers. Anything of that nature okay. is something that interests me. Well, that's a Tuesday release, right? Um, and just, I don't, I don't know if you said it or not, but I'd like to be clear, we are pulling these off at the drop over the PS blog. Right, and the drop uh, gave me no um, date. <laughs> if it doesn't have a, if it, it'll show whether it's a Tuesday or Friday release. If it doesn't have a date beside it, it means a Tuesday release. Oh, okay. So it uh, looks like the next game up is Arrow, spelled like some weird shit, uh, for PS4 Digital. It uh, looks like independent two-man studio Madfellows brings you Arrow, a game that synthesizes high-speed sci-fi shooting action with immersive music elements to deliver an amazing audio-visual experience. I played this at PSX. Really? Yes. Is it cool or is it like... I don't... I'm not a huge fan of the genre, so it's hard for me to... Makes to me think of a Twin Stick sure thing. No. Okay, so it's a lot like... Um, I was hoping it was. I don't know. Did you have, did you have a Zune? There was a game that's like audio no, thing. Anyway, one. so it, what it does, it takes a song and it'd make a track out of it and you just play it. So anyway, there's a song going and there's you got to follow these rails and you've got to basically loop around and dodge stuff. And you do it on like a little track and it goes around and then you're following the beat. Uh, and then like the boss comes up and the boss starts shooting you and then and like it's bombs hitting you with a beat. So you've got to be rhythmic with it and like what you're doing in time. But it's not a twin stick happening. shooter. But it's not a twin stick shooter. It's like if you were going down. It's kind of like gummy ships, but with a beat. Uh, oh. And there's actually a rail that you kind of are on that you can spin around. Uh, that sounds really cool. It was interesting. I, I died the same spot twice because I, I felt like I wasn't understanding the game enough. And there were so many, so many other booths that I was just like, I feel okay with this. I've done yeah. enough, and I'm just going to go I'm walk gonna go around look and at talk. More stuff. Well, there was other cooler indie games that I ended up playing, like uh, uh, that one I told you about, Brawlhalla, that still hasn't come yeah. out that I really want to see. I know you're going to love that I got, game. It's I got, super fun. Well, when you're describing I got Rezogun vibes, and Rezogun is a fantastic yeah, game. Yeah, definitely not like Rezogun, though. That's sad. Um, I, I, there's a game that's like it that I can't remember. I want to say it's called, like, Audacity or something like that, and it was made by, I want to say, Harmonix uh, before they ended up moving along to... Probably so, if it's a music rhythm um, game. Yeah, but regardless... Uh, Cosmic Star Heroine is next. Alyssa LaSalle was one of was one of the top secret agents in the was one of the top secret agents at, <laughs> the, agency get of, at the agents agency of peace and intelligence on planets Arenu 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 yeah Arenu when she uncovers a horrible conspiracy she has to go rogue in order to save the galaxy now this is interesting because I'm not too sure what this game is um, never have heard of it I love how these screenshots don't say much but this is cool I mean it's better than some of the ones I've seen on here that's true um, but it sounds interesting, at least. Yeah. Um, so PS4 what, digital. For what Tuesday I didn't release. bumble over, but yeah. yeah, sounds pretty cool. Okay. Well, this next one looks pretty awesome. PS4 digital crawl. This is the one you told me about a second ago. Yes. Which looks sounds cool as shit. Oh, it is. Uh, okay, so crawl is uh, the dungeon crawler where you control the monsters, possess cruel traps and horrid beasts, and in an effort to slay the hero, succeed to take their place, and it's your turn to crawl. So. Does it come down to the point of where is it saying that when you defeat the human? That see it says succeed succeed in, in to take their place and it's your turn to crawl. It makes it sound like it's turn not turn based, but turn 
like your character is turn based. That doesn't. I can't. I don't make know. That sense makes no sense to me. Anyway, the, you the general the general the concept gen- sounds dope. Yeah, you take turns being the dungeon beast, and you take turns being the hero. That would is be what cool. I mean. Yeah, like you turn. That would be interesting, but it'd be odd, and I don't know how they'd make something like that cool. I mean, it'd be crazy if it was something like. You do your run as the monster first, and then what you go back through as a hero is set up to what you just did. Yeah, so and like, and cool. you're you're fighting your own the AI that you just set. Yeah, and uh, if it, I don't think it's like that, but if it is, that would cool. be so cool. <laughs> uh, the art style is in the form of kind of like Titan Souls. Um, That's what it looks like here. Did you look up gameplay? Yeah, I did, and uh, the intro reminded me of like eighties. I'm, I'm not too sure of the term. Vaporwave is a new thing where it's like old 80s style music with new synthetics. Okay, yeah. Reminded me a lot of Vaporwave type music. Um, and I like that kind of aesthetic. Of so that's the way the music was or the art style? Both. Okay, because like what it looks like to me neon. is a little bit of a darker version of, of older games. Like, um, what was that one you could play on a DVD? A Knight's Tale or something like that? Oh, uh, see, I thought you were going to say like Gauntlet. Uh, no, it was one that was, it was very old, very old. Uh, and it was like, you'd put a disc in and you'd, Put a disc in it. It's odd. Like I want to say it was DVD, but there's no way. It's a very. It was. It was originally an arcade game, but you could. Pick, you could eventually buy it on DVD. Yeah, that looks dope. very Titan Souls e looking. Actually, it kind of looks like Nidhogg. I'm not too sure what that is. <laughs> uh, the it's where it's like a basically you you sword fight each other on oh, PlayStation. It's super fun. We should play it. Game. I should. <laughs> it's on PS Vita as well. But that's like the opening uh, crawl. <laughs> the opening, opening crawl. crawl. But, um, that's a gift, boy. Yeah, it's like very like eighty cool. style, like um, horror, maybe uh, kind of well, horror, horror, horror and fantasy. Yeah, like arcadey. Okay. Um, next game is Euro Fishing. So it's a fishing simulation game which allows players to master their skills to become a top angler within some of the Europe's most fishing takes. Definitely not a game I'll famous pick up. lakes. You're right. <laughs> famous lakes. Not a game I pick up. Um, it's kind of one of those off-the-wall, like, sport games, like Cabela's Hunting. I've never... Okay, actually, I want to tell you right now. The Cabela's Hunting games, I used to play them on PSP when I, I was young. PC. I liked it because it's like... The ones I played were ones where you would, like, track. Like, you'd have to sit there and look oh, at the yeah. tracks. And you'd yeah, be like, you okay, have, you have to be very, I'm going to find this motherfucker. You have to have a lot of patience in those games. Similar to real life. It was kind of uh, fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't go out of my way to play it now. But back then, I was just looking for shit to play. Yeah. And I like fishing-style games. Like, or fishing in games like Harvest Moon and stuff like that. So... It depends More on the game. kind of, it, I, yeah. I liked it in Rune Factory. Uh, yeah. I don't, I've never really cared for it in the original Nier. And the new Nier, it was eh. It wasn't as bad. The original Nier was hard as shit. Uh, it wasn't very fun in Final Fantasy XV. Fishing's an odd thing. I think if, if, if it really matters in the game, then maybe it's there. But if it doesn't really matter in the game, yeah. which a lot of the times it really doesn't, yeah. it's just one extra thing for you to do. Which is like, does the game really need it if it's not going to play into the major thing? So like, if fishing in Zelda, even though it doesn't exist... Uh, would be like okay, well you get to eat in the new the new Zelda game, so it's right. like you could cook the fish, so there would be yeah. a reason. And I just don't. There's a lot of games where that's not the the point, but it doesn't. You can't right. actually go fish in Ocarina of Time. <laughs> there's a fishing lake in the in the back of the lake. That's Hollywood, right. I'm pretty sure. That's right. I do remember that. All right. Looks like the next game is Fair Rune, and this is a PS Vita digital only title. Find different weapons to help you level up and defeat the hordes of monsters invading your realm. Face off against the mysterious threat and seal it away once and for all. So I've never heard of this game before, but looking it up, it the art style is kind of odd to me. It reminds me of, and it's not something the box art would. Oh, really and this is a 3DS game coming over to yeah, Vita. Yeah, and it reminds me kind of of um, Pokemon not, and Zelda. Mr. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say not exactly Pokemon, but Pokemon, if that makes sense. It's yeah. it's very very different. 
Um, next game on the list is Carol Blaster, a uh, classically styled 2D scrolling action game packed with adventure from Studio Pixel, the creator of Cave Story. Cave Story was pretty good, um, so I actually never played. I really liked it, um, and I'm not too entirely sure what this is, but I'm interested in hearing more about that studio. Mm-hmm. Um, Cave Story is on Vita, is it? I don't think so. I'm okay. actually pretty sure Cave Story ended up being a Nintendo exclusive. 3, in 3DS exclusive or yeah. DS exclusive. I Something like that because they remade it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good game. Oh, there's pictures of some fucking frogs on this. I don't really know what that comes into. It looks like frogs sitting there, doesn't it? It looks like telemarketers. Frog telemarketers? <laughs> I'd play it. Hello, sir. Would you like to buy a timeshare in our lake? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's see. The The next game is Lit Spear. Uh, some German shit, I'm assuming. I like that art. <laughs> the art's cool. It's like some hyper 80s neon style shit. And that's what that's what Crawl reminded me of. But that not quite not neon-y. quite neon-y. It still kept the dark fantasy yeah. vibe, I felt. Right, uh, in a land filled with worst zombies and hipster ice giants. And worst is spelled like bratwurst. W-U-R-S-T. Uh, survival is an art. Grab your light spear. Become a German knot. What? Tra- <laughs> traverse land straight out of Germanic myths. Survive with style and expand your prowess to fight for the glory and amusement of the almighty gods. I like it. Is this a Vita game or a PS4 game? This is PS Vita digital. I like it. I gotta look into this. <laughs> I gotta see what kind of game this is. I don't know is. what this is, but it's, it's sounding dangerously close to Nazi Third Reich stuff, so I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. It looks... I like the art. I like... I I just, like in my mind, Germanot sounds like some weird stuff that they came up with back in the day. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Speaking of Germans, uh, did I tell you I've kind of lost my interest? Even after it picked up and I got a little more into it, I lost my interest in Wolfenstein. Okay, I was trying to figure out where I may come going. back to it. I may come back to it, but I don't know yet. I was trying so hard to figure um, out where that was going. I guess it ended up happening that I got Batman and it actually ended up pulling me into it. So, we'll see. It may be something I work my, myself back to. It did get better from when you were here. Yeah, oh, yeah. And you were I'm saying, you, after yeah. Like, it's after like, right after you left, actually, it started getting a little bit better. There's, a certain, there's that awkward sex scene and all sorts of weird stuff. And he and the guy's always whispering like this. Yeah, I think. I don't know if that's on purpose or not. I'm pretty sure it was. He's like, they're killing my men. <laughs> Gravel. It sounds like from Tropic Thunder. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr.? No, no. Uh, the dude who's supposed to play the four-back or whatever who um, wrote the book. Yeah. But he, he really wasn't. He was right. just some random guy. The guy with the... the oh, hook. I guess Tropical Tropic Thunder spoiler alert. Yeah, for that movie that's 10 years old. <laughs> I just watched it on Netflix the other day. I did too, actually. Just two nights ago. Roland Bob is the next one. Draw Freely with... This is a Friday moves. release. Oh, is it? Yeah, 413. Got it. Got it. Draw Freely with Simple Moves of Your Controller. Use your ability to draw all sorts of things, create platforms, walls, walk face down, redirect energy, and much more. So, that's interesting. I'm not too entirely sure. Sounds It reminds me of Monkey Ball. Super Monkey Ball. It seems like you're just drawing to puzzle solve. But it also says that you're... It says... You're creating platforms. Walk face down. Walls, walk face down. Who knows? It's weird. Let's move along. Um, Sexy next game is The Sexy Brutale. It's PS4 digital. Um, the Sexy Brutale, a never-ending ball featuring intrigue, murder, and quite possibly the occult. Players must unveil the secrets of the Sexy Brutale casino mansion and its own inhabitants as they relive the same mysterious and murderous masked ball. Is this Clue? It sounds a lot like it. Or you know in the episode of The Office where he does uh, yeah. <laughs> 
what was it? I can't think of the name. I'm Bourbon. Not... I can't remember what it is either. But yeah, it's very. There's, there's been a murder in yeah. Savannah. <laughs> it's very clue feeling, and um, yeah. I was never a fan of that game. But that sounds. I don't know. Cool, I'm actually, actually a fan of the idea of Clue. I just feel like it's never fun. But I feel like it's maybe I've always played perfectly. it with the wrong people. See, yeah, and I like I like murder mystery stuff. I'm gonna tell you, Dang you know the stuff you can do in towns like uh, it's not in this town, but in places like Dallas and certain areas, they do like uh, murder mystery balls that you actually go to, and it's like you get to eat there and stuff no, at dinner. That's but really then cool, like though. the power goes out. That's really and then there'll be like uh, one of the like somebody will be dead, and it's somebody that you didn't realize, but they go, were I'll, there, I'll and, they're, and they're missing suddenly, or they're they're passed out on the floor, and you got to figure out. Play that. Yeah, I want to do it one time. Uh, we may do it on vacation if, it makes if me uh, th- San Antonio has anything like that, or it makes San, Antonio, me, uh, San Francisco. Makes me think of the real life escape the room rooms that you can go to. Yeah, Escape Texas We have one of those actually. We do. Yeah, did not know that. Slow or snow motor racing freedom is the next one. It's a PS4 digital game. Let's race. Hop onto your snowmobile and thunder down tight, cornered snowcross tracks with big jumps or over huge, wonderful winter landscapes. Get ready for the ultimate snowmobile power ride. Another one of those kind of niche sport games. Um, I'd probably play with a friend if they had it over, but probably wouldn't pick it up on my own. Yeah. Um, Starblood Arena is the next game. It's a PSVR digital and retail. I didn't know it was coming retail. I saw this at PSX, and it looked really cool, but man, this is when they announced it at PSX. Yeah. But that line was long, son, so I was was not doing it. Kind of reminds me Um, of Riggs from that art there. It came down like Horizon was also at PSX, and we didn't do it because it was like, there's so many people trying to play it, but we don't have to wait that long. It comes out in March. Thankfully, they didn't push it back. (laughs) Thankfully, yeah. Um, uh, But it looks like Starblood Arena, so... Test your metal in furious arena combat with six degrees of freedom against pilots from every corner of the galaxy. Fight for glory, credits in your life as the Starblood Network broadcasts every lawless match for the universe to see. Uh, it's basically like a... There was a game on PC called Continuum that was like 2D space shooter. Uh, but that's basically what you're doing. But It's not, it's not 2D. This is fully 3D. You have cockpit. You're flying around. Uh, but you're you're basically killing each other off. It's arena-based that's shooter. Cool. And, and cool. a thing. It looks really cool. Um, I wish you had a VR because I would, that'd be yeah. something I'd love to play with you. I still uh, Since Riggs didn't end up going anywhere. You know, Riggs dropped out really quickly and they ended up closing down Gorilla Cambridge, which sucks. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was made by Gorilla Cambridge. Was it? Riggs, yeah. It was their last game. I and the thing that, that sucks the most about it is that I would have sworn that since Gorilla moved on to Horizon and then they took Gorilla uh, Cambridge in under, and this used to be a different uh, developer. I can't think of it right now, but it was a developer that had made, uh, I think it was just SCE Cambridge or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was the developers, if I'm not mistaken, that made uh, Medieval on the PS1 and a couple of other games for oh, them. Oh, wow, yeah. Uh, anyway, but they ended up being pulled into Gorilla and whenever that happened, they're the people that made uh, Killzone Mercenary for the Vita. And I would have sworn that game was a great. Game it was. was. Amazing. Super good Killzone experience. And it has fantastic um, visuals. And in my, in my thoughts, I would have imagined that they pulled part of the team, like there's a small section off to make rigs for VR, and I would have imagined that the rest of the team would have actually been developing the next Killzone title. And they closed down their studio because but of that Riggs? Doesn't, that does, nobody knows. It could have been one of those things where the studio is already kind of doing bad because here's the thing. When you tell a developer to make an exclusive PS Vita game and it didn't sell that well, even though Killzone Mercenary sold well for a Vita game, but when it yeah. doesn't sell that well, how do you expect a game to set on fire on a system that's got... I'm trying to think right now. I want to say that the Vita is somewhere around 14 million units out. I could be wrong. I want to say that's right. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, I might be wrong because that sounds like Wii U numbers. I think the Vita may be somewhere closer to 20 or 30. I know the Vita is above Wii U for sure. Um, But anyway, when you put a game out, when you put a game out like that, 
and you put it on a system that realistically you kind of put an axiom in a lot of ways. I love the Vita and it's not dead. We were talking about that last week. Yeah. New IP. Even if it's only Japan, it's not a dead system. There's games that are coming out that look awesome for it. Oh yeah. Uh, like that Lichfear game or whatever. Yeah. And Rose of Twilight. I'll, but I'll it, probably pick up. Yeah, but it comes down to one of those things where it's like you shut down a studio like that and what do you do? Yeah. It's, it's like just kinda... you shut down a studio like that because you made them make two games in a row for niche hardware that was that was new. Yeah. That already had a small market and you knew how how small the market was. You can't expect a studio just to be able to I mean the thing is, is that okay? Riggs was a great game, but it, it wasn't as amazing, and it wasn't as something that I would consider as proud to have made as something like Kills on Mercenary. Mercenary was great. Yeah, it's kind oh, of a, it was a, so good. I'd look at it more as a tech demo when you compare it to Kills on Mercenary. Yeah, exactly. Kills on Mercenary was a full game on a system that was already established, but it was right. still a system that did not have a large install base. So it's sad to see something like that happen. But I guess that's deviating from the point. Star yeah. Blood Arena comes out. On PSVR Digital Retail Tuesday. <laughs> Next up, we have Stardew Valley, which is the collector's edition, and it's the retail physical edition too, because uh, they haven't had a physical edition yet. And uh, still, still waiting for this for Vita. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, description for this is: You've inherited your grandfather's old farm plot in Stardew Valley, armed with hand-me-down tools and a few coins. You set out to begin your new life. Can you learn to live off the land and turn these overgrown fields into a thriving home? Now. I bought this game on release day. Played an hour and a half of it. And you didn't like it? I love the game. Hate the controls. I don't know if they have updated the controls for it yet. and uh, Or if they fixed it. It's almost like you're forced to use a mouse cursor as your analog stick. On PS4? Uh, on PS4. That's weird. Because, um, you know, with games like Terraria, another similar art style and kind of 2D. Actually, this isn't even 2D. This is technically like a 3D style, right? Uh, when I say 3D style, I mean you're not on a 2D flat plane where you can just go left, right, up, or down, right? In, in the sense of Terraria is like a flat world. Yeah. This one's more like that third-person Zelda isometric, right? Kind of, yeah. Pretty much. Um, it's fantastic. If I could get used to the controls, I would have had probably hundreds of hours invested into it. But I'm kind of picky with my controls. Did not it did not appeal to me at all. Well, it's the closest uh, PS4 or a PlayStation player, and I think didn't this come to Xbox? I don't know. Anyway, don't know. outside of Nintendo, this is about the closest you're going to get to something on this system that's like Harvest Moon. So I mean, you take what you can get, and I know yeah. there are people that love this game. I mean, there are people that love this game. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, I still I have haven't played it. I was interested in. It. I just never picked it up. And I have nothing bad to say for it except the controls, and it's just something that I'm nitpicky about. And so know. I guess they and, and it gave you a reason to move away from it, and you never really came back. That's what it comes down to, right? Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. If if I uh, went through patch notes and saw that they had changed the controls, I would go back to it. Cool. Sure. Next game up is uh, Ukulele PS4 Digital Retail. Now this is a game that has gone through some stuff, man. Yep. The game is reviewing in drastic ups and downs. There are people that have given it very low reviews, and there's people giving it very high reviews. And this is coming from a team made up of people that are mostly X Rare employees yeah. and, and similar style. So they're going to make a game that's kind of Banjo Kazooie in style. Uh, and obviously, if there's a market for that, that's yet to be seen. 3D platformers have had a hard time coming back anyway, besides something that's not quite 3D platformer completely at heart. Like Ratchet uh, and Clank remake of the first game for PS4 yeah. sold amazingly. But that is a game that has more to it than just platforming. Yeah, and I hear the um, biggest problem with this is that it's huge, but it's empty at the same time. And that's, I haven't that's, seen that, but it, it's very interesting. I'll, I'll go ahead and read. Uh, yeah, it looks like go ahead. It, it says Ukulele is an all new open world platformer from genre veterans Platonic. Explore huge, beautiful worlds, meet and beat 
an unforgettable uh, unforgettable cast of characters and hoard a vault loot of shiny collectibles as buddy duo Yuka, the green one, and Laylee, the bat with the big nose. Uh, embark on an epic adventure to thwart corporate creep, capital B. So that's uh, that's the last game in the drop. Like I said, the game has been very back and forth. I think this is a game that you kind of decide. There are people that this was a Kickstarter title, so there's people that already knew what they were getting into and they're going to get the right. game and hopefully it's what they want. But if you're not into 3D platformers and that's not necessarily what you're looking for, and this is very much like a 98, very similar to something that's kind of Banjo-Kazooie, that big open style world where it's not quite like something a little more toned down like uh but still big like mario 64 and it's not as tight and really controlled as something like crash bandicoot it's very much a kind of wonky controlling 3d platformer much like banjo kazooie was and it's obviously it's keeping the same style of play where you have two characters and you use them as you need to now did they drop the title of spiritual successor to banjo or is that something they just kicked around during the kickstarter that's just something they kicked around it is is a spiritual but it's never necessarily a real title this is just saying this is from a group of people that developed that game and wanted to see more like it which is interesting so I kicked the table I'm sorry uh, so you know out of what's coming out I'm excited for a couple things Uh, I mean uh, Stardew Valley, I still want to play. I think that looks interesting. Starblood Arena, I do want to pick it up. It gives me more of an excuse to play my VR, even though, to be fair, I still got to go through Resident Evil. It's just, oh, yeah. you know, I don't play it near as much as I should. Uh, but I'd say that looks really good. And of the smaller games on Vita, I probably am going to check out Leaksphere. Oh, yeah. My assumption is it's probably a 15 to $20 game. And if it is, I'll probably definitely pick that up. Um, a Rose and Twilight as well. A Rose and Twilight looked interesting. I know that was the one. I'd like to look at Fairroon and see what it is. But, yeah, those games look pretty interesting. Um, so, from there, I think that's a good time to break away and kind of hop over into the news and look at what happened throughout this last week. Uh, definitely since our last episode. Um we post, you know, for those of you who are unaware, maybe didn't watch last episode, um, and we didn't do a great job of telling y'all when we drop. <laughs> but we uh, we drop a new episode of Triangle Squared every Monday at 12 o'clock, uh, 12 p.m. CST, which is 10 p.m. Um, Pacific Standard, I think 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, yeah, and noon so, Central, right? Noon Central, yeah. Got it. So... Um, what we're going to do is kind of go over the news that has happened since the first episode aired. Right. And we've got a couple of things. Uh, first thing up on the list is that uh, over on the PlayStation blog, where we just kind of came from, yeah. uh, Sony announced that they will be bringing over all of the PS2 games, uh, the Jack games. And I mean all of the PS2 ones. So that means wait. that means, oh, you know what? That's technically not true. And I guess I put that in there. I'm wrong. It's not all the PS2 ones. Uh, because Jack One, Jack the, Two, Jack the, Three, um, Lost Frontier is what it was called. It was a PSP game that they ported over to PS2, and it was not made by Naughty Dog. So I, what I should say is that the Naughty oh. Dog PS2 games of the Jack series are coming to PlayStation Two. So wait, PlayStation I Four in the in the form of PS2 classics on PS4. Jack, does Jack series had a PSP game that wasn't Daxter as well? Yes, I didn't it know was that. Called Jack and Daxter: The Lost Frontier. It was Daxter like was there great. were planes in it, and there was. Uh, there was the characters are kind of steampunked out, wore goggles and stuff. You know that yeah. world already had a little bit of a steampunk vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I guess I should apologize for saying all PS2 ones, but uh, all of the Naughty Dog PS2 ones are coming over, and that's in the form of Jack and Daxter, Jack Two, Jack Three, Jack Three and most favorite. importantly, the game that always gets left off of these lists, Jack X Combat Racing. 
See, Jack 3 was my favorite. I think we rented the racing one, and I did not, did not I loved it. play it, or I don't remember it. Me, me and Tracy split all the time. Uh, but, like I said, they are being brought over in the form of PS2 Classics, so this is not the HD Collection plus um, uh, Jack X Combat Racing. This is the PS2 games brought over with 1080p rescaling, which is basically where it takes the assets and rebuilds them in 1080p. Uh, it's, uh, and it's also going to have trophy support, whether it's going to be the same trophies as the HD trilogy. There's no way to tell. Yeah. Uh, they have not confirmed that yet. There's also not a date on this as it stands right now. They just gave it a release, a release window of uh, later this year. So interesting yeah. to see. I think it's, I think it's interesting to not bring them over it, the HD collection. And I don't know. Which Why? is which is pretty weird, but I, uh, they, it's probably easier for them because it's, it's it's very minimal work in comparison. Yeah, just upscaling and to try and to port. I mean, there is a little bit of port work, but a lot of it's just testing to make sure everything works out right. Got it. Uh, and then rescaling, like I said, but that's just like a back end end engine that kind of does that for you. Mm. And then it also gives it trophy support. Um, and there's been a lot of these PS2 classics released, so yeah. this is just adding to it. It's pretty cool. I like it. Horizon Zero Dawn has sold one point. 83 million yeah. copies. Uh, now, these are numbers from VG Charts. So yes, it's not yes. an it's not an official statement, not an official number crunching, but that's impressive. Yeah, that if, is impressive. If, and if what I'm more curious about is if there is a breakdown of if this is only physical or if this is physical digital. Yeah, no, that is a good question. Because I feel like I saw also, and I just couldn't find it again, so I didn't want to use it in the news here. Yeah. Uh, I want to say I saw something that showed that it sold $3 million in its first, but it's hard to tell. Uh, Excuse and me. And I still think for a brand new IP, uh, and definitely an exclusive one, $1.83 million in its first week is crazy, and it's obviously going to surpass that. The, yeah. word of, the word of mouth and the buzz around that game is really, really high. The game is beautiful, plays well, fun platinum. I mean, every bit of its original story. It's, it's a, a very great, good story. great game. Yeah. So I think that it's safe to say that that game will sell much, much more if it sold that much in its first week. Hmm. So I, I would say... And there, I think there actually was uh, somebody who gave it a number of around six to eight million throughout its lifetime, which I don't think is insane at all. Uh, I think playing it a little more tepidly, I would say that's probably more likely to reach somewhere around four to five million. But who knows? I I hope it does. I hope it succeeds. Oh, it, I bet you it succeeded already. Well, as I a hope as it a new IP, greatly breaking two million in its first week is great. Yeah, and um, that game deserves a sequel, in my opinion. It deserves a DLC story that I hope does not expand upon I'm not spoiling anything but there's some story elements that I hope it does not expand on in the DLC I hope there's a whole sequence yeah I, I'm with you yeah because they did announce they would be working on DLC yeah and to what extent I wonder because you know um, another one of those good things to look forward to I'm, I'm, I'm going to break off and kind of talk about another piece of news here it's going to be a little bit out of order um, oh yeah go ahead but um, as a similar piece um and I'll tie it back in a second, I guess. But in an interview with IB Times, uh, Naughty Dog's communications director, Arn Meyer, uh, had said that the new Uncharted standalone DLC, if you want to call it that, standalone game, is going to be around 10 hours. Uh, which is interesting yeah. because I don't know if you played... Uncharted um, 4? No, no, no. I don't know if you played... Uh, Uncharted 4, I know you didn't play. <laughs> no, I didn't. But I don't know if you played uh, Left Behind after The Last of Us. No, I didn't. Okay. I always wanted Left to. Behind was around three to four hours, max. That's shorter though. Okay, so three to four hours on that. And that was, a and that was also... Actually, that was not standalone DLC. 
So you had to have Last of Us to play Left Behind, but it was only three to four hours. So this being standalone DLC, much more in the vein of something like Infamous Festival of Blood. Yeah. Um, and Festival of Blood was a good length, but it was a, it's an open world game, and it was reusing assets, so that makes sense. This is obviously reusing assets, but we're going to new areas. Yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's interesting, interesting for sure. Um, and he kind of went into it, and I don't have this stuff in quotes, but he went into saying that, you know, when they originally asked if, it was, if they were going to make single-player DLC, uh, they said that they don't know if they would have the restraint to keep from just trying to make a, another big game. Right. Uh, and I guess goes to show that they were right. Because it was originally announced that Uncharted 4 would have single-player DLC, but now this has moved on from what you would consider DLC to a standalone... It's basically just a smaller Uncharted game, but if it's around 10 hours, it's not too much smaller. Uh, yeah. and, and, and this is Uncharted's last hurrah uh, in terms of Naughty Dog's development in it. Sony can do whatever they want to. They can pay anybody to make Uncharted. I hope they don't. I hope they just let Uncharted breathe. And while a Naughty Dog says it's their, their last their last work in the world of, of Uncharted and those characters, you never know. Right. They very well could come back as a PS5 launch game. They could come back as a very late PS5 game. There's no telling. Uncharted is obviously a very valuable franchise. I think Sony would be smart to, after this, let it go dormant. Don't run it on the ground. Bring it back up. The fans who loved it are going to still love it. And I guarantee you there's still going to be that, that kind of gameplay I think it's timeless and classic, and I don't think that even ten years from now that it, there's not going to be a place for an Uncharted game. Right. It, I don't think that. If like, anything, that, I would say that obviously a lot of games are moving more towards the online aspect and being just very yeah. online centric. But I would say that there's also, if you look at the two places gaming's going, it's like the social aspect of gaming's climbing, and that that will always continue to climb, but it's climbing in different ways. Uh, with things like Destiny and Wildlands yeah. and all these bigger continued communities. And then you have these story-driven games that I feel like are actually being pulled back and being a little more focused on now than what they were earlier in the generation. Uh, so I think that they're, like I said, I think they always come back around. I think that those tighter, linear experiences that are very narrative-driven have a, have a big place in gaming, and they always will. Uh, but going through that, I wonder... If Horizon Zero Dawn's DLC will stay DLC, or if it'll become a standalone. standalone. Yeah, that's interesting for sure because I don't, I don't really want to talk about it too lot because of the spoilers. Because Horizon is a game. Yeah, no, no, no. that's that, a game that you don't talk about. For yeah, for sure. Because it's very original, and I, I think I would be very sad to see people lose out on that. Right. That's and that's something that, that there's really not a game series I can compare it to that. Um, that did it as well as I was hoping Horizon would, and it did it really, really well. So yeah, great game. Uh, well, the next piece of news we have is that uh, PS4 PC exclusive Near Automata game I love, raved about it. I'm pretty sure last episode. Yep, uh, I still didn't go back and play it like I said I would. Near <laughs> uh, Automata is a fantastic game, but it is uh, it is shipped over a million copies. Yeah, that's impressive uh, and too. that's digital and shipped through copies, so that doesn't necessarily mean bought through copies. But it's a pretty good indicator the game is doing well. Uh, which is amazing because the first year severely underperformed, um, even though it, was, it becomes a cult classic and it's this great game. I also didn't know the character change in that game, uh, depending on the region. It was either the older character. Oh, yeah, or you the didn't know about it. And the game had different names. Actually, in Japan, it released both ways. It was Near Replicant and Near Gestalt. Did uh, not know that. And I want to say it's Gestalt that came over here as just Near. Yeah. And it was the one that used the older guy because they felt like it would appeal better to the Western markets, yeah, which I think wasn't. I think, while I love the game and I never played the other one, I don't know if they made the right move. I think they probably would have been fine just releasing it to where you play as the felt. older brother. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. They made two games, so, you know. That's true, yeah. Um, Trying to make a game appeal, I think that might have been one of the things that maybe messed with that game. But I don't know, because definitely at the time when that came out, which is 2010, if I'm not mistaken, 
you're talking about America that has not really had strong JRPG leanings in that console generation yet. And I think that that game was probably kind of doomed to fail anyway, because while Final Fantasy continued to sell well, which is a big name, I would still say Final Fantasy slopped off, like sloped off really strongly in terms of sales and critical reception. Yeah. Even fan reception. I feel like there's a lot of people that like Final Fantasy and end up pulling off once Final Fantasy 13 released. Oh, yeah. So I would say that I don't know if that would have changed anything with the game. Either way, great great accomplishment for the people over at Square uh, and the people over at Platinum Games who helped co-develop that game. Uh, Yoko Taro is one of my favorite uh, directors for dude the gaming is, series. Dude is creative. He's I'll very creative. Much. and I, mean, I love his stories. They're very very human, very personal, and they're very they're typically actually dark, but they also have very happy moments in them. And he's talking about some of the endings and what he feels like are happy endings and sad endings. And I mean, they go a different a lot of different places. Um, but the, it's he's he's basically what I would say he's the M Night Shyamalan of uh, of video games. There's a lot of twist. That's interesting in comparison. Yeah, because I I still need to go back and play near. I'm not gonna say I am this time. Um, just because I didn't last time. Play it when it feels right. Don't yeah. force yourself because I think that you will love the game. I'm having such a, such a blast with Dark Souls Three again that I don't I don't know. Uh... Well, you're gonna love the combat in near. I feel like. Oh yeah, when I you really, knew that. Yeah, when yeah. you really get. I know you played a little bit of it, but. Um, in response to complaints regarding technical issues with Mass Effect Andromeda, BioWare has released the first of many updates to help with the facial animations, mainly for humans and Asaris because they have dead eye syndrome. Yeah. This came out in update Lack 1.05 of that there's a the character that they kind of showcased. One of her lines in the game is, my face is tired. And they all looked tired. Um, so I'm glad. Mass Effect is a series that's near and dear to my heart. I'm not going to play Andromeda quite yet just because of the amount that's on my plate plus the bugginess of that game. I want to experience that game. And that's not to say that the originals weren't buggy because they were. But I want to experience that game after it's been patched enough for me. Mass Effect 1 is extremely buggy. And my hope oh, for yeah. this series, I'm still going to pick up Andromeda. I think I talked about that last episode, too, that some of the things around it, um, oh, that might have been a test episode. But some of the some of the drama around it pulled it from being a day one purchase for me. And I think it probably would have been pulled from a day one purchase for the fact of so many other games coming out around the window. Yeah. Uh, but I do plan on picking it up, and I'm probably going to pick it up sooner rather than later. Um, they have a two-month plan of constant patches and constant work to make right. the game what it should be. But my hope is that Mass Effect 1 on 360, when I played it way back in the day when it was still exclusive to 360 because PS3 one hadn't come out yet. Yeah. Uh, and that was because PS3 one came out late after 2 and 3 had already I think dropped. it came out only as part of the collection, didn't it? Exactly. So in the anyway, when I played the first Mass Effect, it was extremely buggy. And it wasn't as polished. And I think what this is, is you're looking at a new studio making this game. Yeah, essentially. Uh, yeah, so a, a new Bioware, yes, but not the same Bioware. Uh, and for a number of reasons, the people that made the original trilogy are not with the company more. They went on did their own thing. Um, I like that there's kind of a new take to Mass Effect with this, but I think that they're going to do the same thing. Uh, where the jump from Mass Effect Andromeda to whatever the second one in this trilogy, what I hope is a trilogy, I think it will be. Um, will be I, good. I think the second one will learn from all the mistakes and it'll be the masterpiece that this game probably could have and should have been. Now, the thing about that is that doesn't mean there's not going to be bugginess. With a game that's this scale and the style, I mean, there's going to be bugginess. And it's like Skyrim was buggy, but you, you loved it through its bugginess because there's charm. Oh, yeah. And you hope that this game just oozes charm. I haven't played it, so I don't want to act like I'm speaking from a knowledgeable standpoint on the game itself. But I do think that 
there's a lot to be said about the state of Mass Effect 1 versus 2 and what the state of Mass Effect Andromeda to whatever its sequel inevitably is that I think you will see a very stark difference. I hope so. In, I, in release time. But I, I do think I think it's very nice of them to come back and A, quickly respond, but B, just I, respond in general. Yeah, and respond accurately. And so. accurately. I do agree. I, and I mean, so a couple things that the, the patch notes showed... Um, it looks like you've already deleted it. You skipping, bastard. well, skipping. It. I already knew what it was. <laughs> yeah. But yeah so there's, can... it fixed the eyes and some of the animations for the humans in the Asari. Made their, it gave them a little more emotion. Kind of gave them a like they were feeling something instead of looking at you kind of robotically. Uh, and it also made it to where you can skip the autopilot sequences when you're in the galaxy map. Right. Um, and all of those sound good. There was some light balancing stuff to make sure that the game played a little more fairly, in their opinion, and general bug fixes. So good. Um, yeah, all, all great stuff. But there was moments where the you would complete the objective, but the objective wouldn't update to show you completed it. Oh, I hate stuff like that. RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my gosh. It's pretty cool to see that. Uh, but other thing we're looking at is, and I'm sure that y'all have seen it this week, it was a pretty big news piece, uh, because it came out as kind of a very quick... Headline grabby Spider Man PS4 is releasing in 2017. That game is not coming out this year. It is not. Okay, hold on. Then. I will be impressed. If okay, that game but hold comes on. Out. Let's get into the rest of it. Okay, so in an interview um, with Marvel's Ryan Pinagos, um, he brought up that Spider Man. Uh, well, he didn't bring up that it would specifically be releasing in 2017, but he was mentioning games that were releasing in 2017, and right. among those games, well, he mentioned Spider-Man. So people took that and they ran wild with it. But anyway, what ends up happening is there's tweets back and forth, or there's tweets starting back and forth. There's constant tweets to Insomniac, and Insomniac finally responds to a tweet and says that there has been no official release date or window announced. Yeah. Okay, so what ends up going down is that there's obviously no official release date. Yeah. Nobody has come back with an actual official press, press statement said that here's a release date, release window. No one said 2017 for sure. No one said 2018. There is no for sure thing on this. But this is an interesting... I could almost say that this could be a topic of the show, but it's not going to be. The fact there have been every pretty much PlayStation exclusive that was shown last year has been in some form or fashion rumored or slightly leaked or revealed to be coming this year. And they have all come so far. Okay, so God of War, the voice actor for Kratos, ended up putting in his bio uh, on Twitter, his his work stuff, uh, Kratos, God of War 2017. I didn't know that. Okay, so that was the first thing. People were like, God of War is coming this year, which is possible. There was uh, late last year, the game was fully playable, and uh, Corey Barog, the game's director said he completed the first playthrough of the game. Now, oh, wow. we don't know how big the game is. Right. We don't know how polished it was in that state. It just means that he was able to play the game from start to finish. I did not know that at so, all. And that's, and that's the thing. So if a game's big and it's not optimized, and there's all these other small things they've got to get to, it doesn't matter how far he can play the game or if he can beat the game. Because you got to remember, Final Fantasy XV was playable completely a year before its announcement. A year or eight months, somewhere around there before its yeah. release. So you don't know. Uh, with that being said, the next game that ended up getting this treatment is Days Gone. There's been all sorts of leaks from retailers and different things showing that Days Gone, which is the Sony Bend game um, starring Sam Whitmer, right? Isn't that his name? Sam Whitworth? Is it Whitworth? I anyway, think so. It's uh, Starkiller. Yeah, from, from, from Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Um, he also played in Dexter. He was the copycat killer in like the first season. They thought it was the Ice Truck Killer. Oh. I'm pretty sure that's that's who he was. He was I in that. Know. I just can't remember if that's what he played. Regardless, um, 
So that game was also leaked to be releasing in 2017, which seems unlikely, but at the same time, I could see it. The game is pretty polished, but these vertical slices that they show at these events are very hard to judge a game off of. Yeah. But then again, that's not a proprietary engine. That's a heavily modified Unreal 4, so maybe that gave them a, a boost in time. And obviously, Ben's been working on that game forever. If it's, only, if it's anything like Spider-Man 2 on PS2. So anyway, those are three big exclusives that it. were announced last year at E3 that have now been leaked to, or rumored to be coming out this year. There's no way all three of them can be true. Here's my here's my thing. I think God of War could come out this year. If it does come out, it's highly likely that if it comes out this year, it will be a November-ish release. Yeah. Maybe even December, but possibly November and that September area to where it's to compete basically with third party because as an exclusive, it'll still be eaten up. It's not going against other exclusives, which is smart. Right. Okay, I think Days Gone has a chance of releasing this year. Uh, and if so, I think the only safe place to put it as a new IP that's already a little too similar to The Last of Us. With The Last of Us 2 coming, they need to put as much distance as they can between this and Last of Us 2. Yes. Okay, so the best way to do that would be to release this year. If they release this year, the only smart time that I can really say to release is somewhere around August. After E3... Right, but before the barrage of third-party games that typically kind of just bombard, yeah, the la- the the, fi- out, the final yeah, quarter of the year. The year. So, with that being said, I think that's the only smart place you could put it. And I can I can see Sony releasing Days Gone and, and God of War in the same year. I could also see them releasing God of War in the Horizon time slot, which is spring or yeah. early which 2018. Is smart, too. smart, I agree, and I think that with the success they saw. From that, uh, releasing not necessarily against any other major things. Uh, this was obviously a very packed time, and it released close to Zelda and the Switch. But Nintendo's got a bunch of balls in the air, and people were already worried about where they were still in the Switch. So anyway, right. obviously Horizon released in a good time. It was good company, but not necessarily what I would consider the worst of competition. That's true. I so, can agree with that. Um, I think that they would, they could do that. I think also. It would be interesting if they started using the summer release window to start releasing things. But it's rare they do that because there's all these conferences and things. Yeah. And it just it's typically right they let summer be this, this news pool. Yeah. So who knows? Uh, but I think that that's very odd that all these games have getting that. I agree. I don't think Spider-Man comes this year. I, just I want don't. it to. There's no name. There's We haven't seen the game at all. Yeah. Since E3. No gameplay and, footage. And even E3, I, I don't think was quite gameplay footage. It might have been. I don't want to say that it for sure wasn't. But E3 was very, very small segments. Uh, and I think that they come back when they do. I think that we see it at this year's E3. Right. And I think uh, we'll but I a, think we see more of it. And I think, we'll I think, get a I think we get a name. I don't think we get a release date. See, I think we will because it's we may a- We may get a release window. And that window may be very broad. That window may just be 2018. Yeah. So anyway, that three, games, be, yeah, three yeah, big I, Sony exclusives coming all at the same time. It's... If these games don't have release dates already, that means all three of those would release in the same, the second half of the year. Right. Possibly against a bunch of other third-party games. It's not going to happen. Yeah, and I can agree to that. I, I hope it comes out this year. I just do not, I, I don't see it coming out. Yeah. But we'll see. No, it, no, three's right yeah, around the corner. No need to linger on it anymore, I guess. Um, you can take this next one. Sure. Um, so there are five PSVR games coming this spring. So if you didn't already have enough on your plate, you do now if you have PSVR. Uh, we have if you've been looking for VR games to play. We yeah, have, they're, yeah, that's they're true. coming. Uh, we have Star Trek Bridge Crew, Static, Starboard Arena, which we talked about earlier. 
Um, persistence and of course Farpoint. Now Farpoint, Farpoint is looks dope. definitely a Farpoint game. sold me on it very early. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a little disappointed that the sharpshooter from the PS3 is not working because it was a fine gun. They're making you oh, buy a, buy a new gun yeah, for Farpoint, that pro- but proprietary gun. Whatever. But yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting. I think I'm glad. I'm glad that the BR is getting some stuff in such a chunk of the year too. Is kind of good. Um, typically this time of year, I would say April to June to July. It's kind of not a a very busy time of year for games. Yeah. So it's gonna come in for people who have VR and they're looking for stuff to do. Um, so well, what I would like to see, um, I would like to see VR in some decently sized five to ten minute segment of E3. Yeah. I say that, but at the same time, last year's E3 was so perfect. See, and the way I look at it is... And I feel like if they bring up VR, they're going to have to talk numbers. It sold better than expected. Yeah. Okay, so there's all these things. But I think that they'd have to talk numbers. They would have to talk about how they're doing this to give you faith in this. I feel like that's what they would do as a company. And I feel like maybe the better way to do it is to announce these games, but you'd have to be clear that they're all VR. Right. And I feel like the only way to do that is to communicate it literally directly. You have to come out and go, these are VR games, and then clearly cut afterwards and say... That are all. Those are all the games that we see in the coming in the future. Uh, are big ones that are very notable. These are ones that we believe will push the the. the I guess you want to say platform at that yeah, point. It would push the platform give, give further. Us a light. So if that doesn't happen, then I don't know. Um, I want to save that topic as a whole for a later day. I do want to uh, in in a future episode, possibly next week, maybe a little bit later down the line, closer to E three. I want to talk about our E3 predictions yes. and what we think will be, That'll be specifically good. Sony's E3 because I think this is a really big year with all the stuff going down. Yes. There's still stuff to know about Scorpio. Um, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. So check back with us and hopefully in the coming weeks we end up going to that because E3 is right around the corner it in is. a lot of ways. Yeah, so. two months. <laughs> okay. So listen, the last thing we have on here is that CD Projekt Red have trademarked Cyberpunk. Uh, as the studio works on its upcoming series titled Cyberpunk 2077. And I think in this much in the same vein, this is just a side snippet, I think Cyberpunk 2077 is based off of a book series, just like Tabletop Witcher was. Series. Tabletop series? Tabletop Okay, RPG well, series. a lot of people don't know, Let me just double check. so y'all know, The Witcher is actually a book series, and it was a book series well before these games were ever developed, and uh, they ended up buying the rights out to make these games. And it's, it's crazy. A lot of people don't really know that that's the way that this works yeah, out. It is tabletop games. Top tabletop 2020. Games. Cool. That's cool. I think it's a really good idea. Uh, but anyway, they said that it's um, in terms of, in, in reference to the trademark, is that it is a self-defense measure only, and they right. just want to protect the hard work of the studio, which makes sense to me. Yes. Smart. I am 100% for this. Um, I've briefly mentioned in the last episode that I tried to play Witcher 3. Mainly because of time restraints, strengths, and just not being immersed into the story. Never pulled you into in? It. Hey, I, I say all the time, if a game doesn't pull you in, you just got to move along. I won't admit, though, or I will admit that... <laughs> you won't admit. I won't admit. I won't. But I will admit that CD Projekt Red is a fantastic company who continue to support that game throughout its lifespan. Yeah. And, you know, to do this, to protect their hard work, I can only imagine the amount of time it took to record the audio of the wind through the trees in Witcher 3 took let alone the rest of the game. So these families that work in these games for these long, long periods of time, yeah. they don't need to have it kicked out from other They are a fantastic also. developer. Right. Uh, they also said that they will not be using the trademark offensively 
And if you have any concerns or questions about Cyberpunk, to get in contact with them. Right. So they won't be coming after. They won't be actively looking for people who have Cyberpunk in their names. They won't be chasing them. And uh, if you already have a product that has Cyberpunk in, its they're name, not going to try and pull. They're them not going to try. But if you have a product you want to make or anything of that nature, they're making it seem that you can contact them, and then I'm pretty sure they can give you some leeway. It's mainly to protect the game series that takes so long that they create, and for good reason. Yeah, that. that makes sense. Uh, so, I guess it's finally time to get into the meat of the show. Main topic. Uh, and I'm going to keep my laptop open because I want to look over some specs. Um, oh, yeah, I guess that is smart. Um, you've already closed yours. It doesn't matter. Um, what I want to do, like I've already mentioned, is I want to get into what the Scorpio is. Right. A. And uh, the original plan when we were first talking about doing this episode was to speculate what we thought it would be. Uh, but since then, Thursday, uh, Digital, Foundry. Uh, Digital Foundry has gotten with Xbox and released all the specs for the Scorpio. And it is. No price point, no name, no box, but we have specs. So it we have a better idea. what I was thinking about it would be. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Uh, I, I expected something much more similar but still more powerful than the Pro. Right. Interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk about what the Scorpio is now that we do have hard facts. I want to compare it to the Pro, kind of talk about where the Pro stands versus where the Scorpio stands what position that puts PlayStation in currently. Yeah. And I also want to talk about how I think PlayStation will react if they react at all. And when I say react, I really mean respond. How will they respond in the market? Right. Uh, will they just double down on their on their current thing of games, 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 let's do this? Or do they try and come back with a, we're still the most powerful, this is the reason why? Yep. Uh, and obviously that would have to be a new product. Um, but the first thing I wanted to do is is go ahead and compare the specs of the Scorpio versus the Pro so that we understand what we're actually dealing with. So our reference table is actually going to show the Scorpio specs, the original Xbox uh, specs, and also the Xbox One S specs, and then the PS4 Pro specs. Okay. Okay, so CPU-wise, uh, we're dealing on the Scorpio side, eight custom x86 cores clocked at 2.3 gigahertz. Okay, pretty good clock That's speed. That's pretty good. And they're custom. Okay, so the original Xbox One had eight custom Jaguar cores. Yep. And that's the only thing is that this wording does not say Jaguar. So they may be on a new architecture right, with which, Scorpio, which means that, you know, they could go anywhere with it. Yeah. It, you, it may not be built on the exact Xbox One architecture, even though it's still a Xbox following of it yeah. in a lot of ways. Okay, so... You have eight custom Jaguar cores clocked at 1.75 gigahertz on the Xbox One, and the PS4 Pro has eight Jaguar cores clocked at 2.1 gigahertz. Right. So already we are looking at, like I say, with them specifically omitting Jaguar, it's highly likely that this is a slightly more refined, more powerful chipset that they're going after uh, instead of being based off the Jaguar cores. Yep. Uh, and it's already clocked at 0.2 gigahertz higher than the PlayStation 4 Pro, which... Isn't a whole It's, whole a, it's not a whole lot, but it is. It's a, dif- it's and, a, and, it's a and, good difference, though. And I want to go ahead and say that if you, as we talk about these specs and when I've looked over them, the, the weakest part of this entire setup, outside of the fact that we don't know what the cores are based around, uh, architecture-wise, yeah. the CPU is the weak point. The CPU is the bottleneck. And if, for those that don't know what a bottleneck is, it's when all the components come together and the games can... It's basically a game is being pushed, but this one weaker component is stopping the game yeah. from using the rest Either of the Either the GPU or the CPU. Yeah, exactly. Typically, you're going to have one or the other. It's where it's bottlenecking, where it's, it's keeping the rest of the tech to reaching, reaching yeah, its full specs. that's the GPU. 
Okay, so CPUs there. So the GPU is 40 customized compute units at 1172 megahertz. Okay, in comparison, the original Xbox One had 12 GCN compute units at 853 megahertz. So already a big jump. Yeah, huge jump. I mean, more compute units by far. Yeah. And much, much higher. See, this is speed. where the bottleneck would happen. Is with the GPU with the CPU. The GPU would much outperform. Right. But here's it depends on what they're trying to do. Uh, and that's going to be one of those things. They're pushing for 4K. And a lot of games will be able to use that because racing games can typically push 4K decently easy. There's a lot of weather effects, stuff like that. Forza 6... And yeah. 4K, 60 frames per second, utilized with, either. With all the weather on the, and and the stuff. It was like 70% of the CPU. 70%. I think it was either 60 or 80 to be exact. It was one of the two, which is an exact. But it was... It might have been 60. Yeah. The, the same game at 1080p with all the same things. We're using 90% of the of the GPU and CPU of uh, the Xbox, Xbox One. Xbox One S, too. Um, so... Like I said, 12 GCN units, 853 on the original Xbox, but the One S have 914 megahertz, but the same amount of compute units. All right, the PS4 Pro has 36 improved GCN, so improved over the PS4. Right. Uh, improved GCN compute units at 911 megahertz. So already a big jump from the PS4, and both of these systems are seeing a higher jump in the GPU than they are the CPU. It's important. Yes. Because like we said, the bottleneck is created somewhere. Yeah. And, and the way that they're trying to pull for 4K changes drastically. Yeah. Um, and so far it's coming out of the GPU. And, um, uh, and both. Yeah. Uh, there's there's things, that I, but we'll get into that in a second, I guess, um, about the way the PS4 Pro pulls stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're looking at back at memory. Um, for reference, I'm first going to say the Xbox One. The original Xbox One had 8 gigabytes of DDR3 RAM. Uh, which is basically a slower form of RAM in comparison to the PS4 and the PS4 Pro's 8 gigabytes of GDR5. Yeah. Okay, so, uh, but the original Xbox and the One S both had 32 megabytes of ES RAM, which is like this super quick RAM that can move stuff in and out way, way quicker right. than the rest of the RAM could. So this was kind of their last minute. They put it in to try and go up against the DDR5, which gave the PlayStation 4 much better um, data exchange rate right. over their GPU. Um so memory bandwidth, which is what I was talking about. Um, oh, the Project Scorpio's RAM is 12 gigs, so a considerable That's, jump. Yeah, a considerable jump. The PS4 Pro did not change the amount of RAM at all, besides adding one extra gig of DDR3 Three. RAM. Yeah, for uh, uh, for background processing. Yeah, I was okay. Gonna say that. So that gave basically developers another RAM to use on Pro specifically right. of the GDR5. So important. They were able to offload stuff onto the DDR3. Right. Uh, for things like Netflix and whatnot that aren't necessarily game heavy, right? Um, and but that don't there. need that much memory bandwidth. Okay, so going into memory bandwidth and what that memory difference is going to do, the original Xbox One had uh, DDR3 memory bandwidth with 68 gigs per uh, per second, but the ES RAM had a maximum of 204 gigabytes per second, uh, and uh, and the ES RAM on the Xbox One S was 219 gigabytes per second. So a little bit of a bump. Right. Okay, so the PS4 Pro had a memory bandwidth of 218 gigabytes per second across all of its RAM, so, not just the DDR3. Because you know, there is no, the DDR3 doesn't play in here. Right. 
right. Uh, the Project Scorpio has got 326 gigabytes per second, which is going to be important when you're trying to push 4K across. Yeah. Those assets are going to come into the RAM, and they've got to be basically they're going to come in the RAM and process quickly to get out. And that's where your bottleneck is not going to happen from your memory or from your GPU. Yeah. It's going to happen on the CPU side. That's a fair amount of but RAM. But until you're dealing with open world games, it should never really hit to be too much of a bottleneck. Yeah. Because much like the Pro. Uh, Horizon is a perfect example, and and that game wasn't even fully optimized for the Pro. That was just extremely well optimized when they came into it late in the game. There's an interview where they said that the game was too far developed for them to start from the ground up for PS4 Pro when they found out that the system existed. So Horizon oh. was considerably better on Pro with them not even building from the ground up right. for Pro. It's in, that's that's important that to know. So when games are made specifically from the ground up for Scorpio, there's going to be a considerable difference considerable difference um, now games that get patched back in and improved frame rates there will be a difference and, and probably a much more considerable difference in the ps4 pro but still not quite as different as games that are built from the ground up for the scorpio right all right so moving along the hard drives this is a little bit different but hard drive for the scorpio will be one terabyte uh just like the ps4 pro launched with one terabyte 2.5 inch drives uh, and the, X, the original Xbox One launched in a 500 gigabyte unit a one terabyte unit and a two terabyte variant as well all right, and then lastly, the optical drives. Project Scorpio will be using a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray, Important. much like the Xbox One S. Right. Um, Main reason I got The original mine. Xbox One and the original PS4 and the PS4 Pro all use just a standard Blu-ray drive. Right. So PS4 Pro cannot play 4K Blu-rays. That's something that that's a decision they made. I don't, I don't necessarily know why. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I don't watch 4K movies and I'm not much of a movie man, so it doesn't right. matter. Okay, so looking at those specs, and now that we know that the Scorpio is much more along the lines of a brand new console, much like we kind of thought, we were hoping for. Right. And then earlier this year, there were reports that were so uh, leaked that kind of showed that maybe the Xbox Scorpio was actually much more along the line of the Pro, and that it was still going to be calling for checkerboarding, uh, checkerboard 40K. upscaling. Yeah. Okay, so... Now that we know that that's not necessarily the case, and they are pushing for what is mostly native 4K, yes, as they're showing, we can look. Okay, so first thing I want to do is I want to speculate what you think the price of the Scorpio will be and how you think that hurts or or helps the PS4 Pro and Sony and how long they have to respond. Okay, so I think that the price for the uh, Scorpio... Depending on how it's marketed, okay, good. changes too. Because if it is the new Xbox, you can get away with a little bit of a higher amount. I feel like because you're not gonna buy if 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 mom and dad go into GameStop and there's an Xbox One Scorpio, and then they see an Xbox One S or Xbox One and Xbox One S or what well, Xbox One Scorpio costs six hundred dollars, they're not gonna buy that because it's the same thing as Xbox One. So the branding is going to be a little different there. So if this is a brand new Xbox, I think Xbox, I think it can get away with around <laughs> Xbox. Xbox. <laughs> I think it could get away with around 549, 499 or 599. And the thing is is that 4K gets expensive. Of course it does. And it's these brute force specs that are, that are hitting 4K that way. 4K. Yeah. Uh, I think there's so for reference, real quick, audience, for people who don't have a PS4 Pro or don't quite know what the PS4 Pro is, it is a updated PS4, mm-hmm. and it launched with a one terabyte hard drive, um, which has already doubled the memory space of the base PS4, right. and had a much stronger GPU, a slightly bumped CPU, and slightly increased memory bandwidth. But it was $100 more than PS3 at launch. Actually, no, it was the same price as PS4 at launch. 
I apologize. I'll say, um, right so it too. launched. Uh, it launched at four hundred dollars. Okay, yeah. and that was uh, and that was last November. Right. So a couple of things to think about is I agree that they might. I, I think I think four ninety nine is impossible. I do too. I think that four. I, I do agree. Four ninety nine. How, how they market it matters. Oh yeah, because I think if it's a new console, it'll. I don't even help think it. it needs to say Xbox One at all. I honestly think it should be called Xbox with a surname. I don't think it. I think it needs a new one. I hate Xbox One as the. Name. I don't. I, I do too. But here's the thing, and one thing I didn't think about until just now, they haven't revealed a name. But what if Scorpio stays the name? And what, I'll be fine with hold that. Hold on. But what are, what are, what marketing challenges do you have? Like you were talking about a random person walking into a gaming store. What if their son goes, "Hey, go buy me the Xbox One Scorpio," and the parent gets there without the son, and they're like, "I want the Xbox One." Uh, with an S, and then oh, the Xbox One well, S. S, yeah, and they come home with the wrong system. I think, Unlikely, but my point being, if it's called the Xbox One Scorpio and people just see it as this weird thing, the same argument can be made for the Pro. You see it, and you're like, oh, it's, so it's barely different. And not it has much another, better. It has another tier. Yeah, and uh, some people may just go, ah, I don't want to do the upgraded tier. He just said yeah. he wanted a PS4, but you know, you never know. Yeah, see, uh, and I think that um, I think that if it was just like an Xbox Scorpio, I think that that'd be a little bit better. Honestly, Scorpio being its code name, you know, we've seen it with Nintendo and then the NX being the Switch, and then Dolphin was the GameCube, I think, uh, and then the yep. Revolution was the Wii. I think mm-hmm. that it will change. Um, not too sure what it will it, change. It to. will change. There's been a name floating around Xbox One X. I do not like it. I don't like it either. But here, Xbox. So X price. Getting to the rest of my question, six hundred dollars. So you think six hundred? Okay. So how do you think that helps or hurts PlayStation? And where do you think that puts them in having to respond? So with, I feel like there's so many different tiers of gamers. I feel like there are gamers who play the consoles they like for the exclusives. I think they play the consoles they like because other friends have it and they play games with them. I think that they are players who like a better performance in their experience. Mm-hmm. I like, uh, you know, Dark Souls 3 doesn't run as well as Dark Souls 3 on PS, or on Xbox One as it does on PS4. Just an example, I don't know if that's true. Um, so they're more likely to get a PS4 with these numbers. So, let's face it, Microsoft has had these same three exclusives for... Rotating out. Yeah, rotating out for a decade now. Even them bringing back Crackdown is not that crazy to me. And I feel like they needed to, re- to do new IPs. And with them dropping... <sighs> I'm gonna go ahead and let you finish because I do. I'm, well, I'm curious in what you say without my opinion. I, I don't want to paint your opinion, so I want to yeah. see what you say, and then I will give you what I think. Well, without knowing me, and then this whole podcast, you would know that I was an Xbox fanboy five years ago and a huge one. Extremely. There is Forza Horizon. He was er- hopping on that Halo dick hard. Halo. Th- I had. I did not like Halo Reach that much, but Halo Three. You know, Forza, Forza Horizon. Horizon. Two, I think, or one, whichever one was the very first. I think it was Horizon One was on the P on the 360, right? I think so. It makes sense you being the first one, and then Gears of War, then Crackdown. I bought Crackdown for the Halo Three beta, and I ended up playing it just because it was fun. Yeah. Um, Fable. Now, Fable's Lionhead. Gone. Yeah, Lionhead Studios not being a thing anymore. Fable's gone is not necessarily true, but. This is a PlayStation broadcast, right? So we're not going to delve too far into that. So, and but I'm, see, but Xbox's stuff does. And I think that's why I like this conversation so much. Why I think it it's can so interesting is that this is actually a conversation of how much this console Will is, is going to. 
And there's a lot of things still left to learn, but I think we do know enough now to try and kind of think about what PlayStation might do. Um, Honestly, is there anything else you want to add? The thing I'm scared of is, and I'm not even really scared of, it's something that I'm kind of anticipating in the back of my mind, is that is this the era that happened back with the last generation? Is Xbox going to make a better console, come out, and then is Sony going to follow them a year and a half later after everybody's already migrated or migrated to the Xbox? Xbox 360 came out, PS3 came out a year later, a year and a half later. Yeah, a year and a half. By I mean, a year, then, a everybody had migrated to the 360. And then so, I call that old Sony, you know, back with the PS3 days, some of the choices they made. And well, not, for the, really, it's PS2 Sony. Well, because uh, it was Sony leading into the PS3, and, yeah. and then you have the first year of the PS3 where they were kind of still stubborn, and, and then they kind of started turning things around. Running. Yeah. Okay, so I, I agree, but I think I know where you're going. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried. Um, I like PlayStation, obviously. I'm on a podcast. I'm wearing a shirt. Um, I like PlayStation a lot. I like its ecosystem a lot. Um, I think it does its system, its UI, everything, controller. I like it a lot. There are games, however. Mainly Destiny 2. That's mainly it. And if Destiny 2 is great as I'm hoping it will be, and then everybody I play Destiny with goes to the new Xbox, I will buy a new Xbox for that. And then there are people like me among gamers who will do it because of that. Once again... Okay, but here's the thing. Go stay in the PlayStation family. One small, just as a... I just wonder what you mean by that. So when you say you're going to buy the new Xbox, you have the Xbox One S right now. Right. Okay, so here's the thing. Buying the console is not going to keep people from playing PlayStation. It, I course, guess it's yeah. how much... I mean, it's not naturally going to do that. There has to be more to it than that. You know, because like, yeah. you have a PlayStation, you Unless can buy that you... new system, but if the, if the majority of games you like still come out on PlayStation, the majority of people you still play with play on, PlayStation, on PlayStation... I'm going to mainly play PlayStation. Worst case scenario for what you said, you just play Destiny 2 specifically on Xbox, and then you probably play the rest of your stuff on PlayStation. If Destiny 2 is like Destiny 1, I would not be playing PlayStation, or I would not be playing another game for a while. And I guess that does pull you out of PlayStation's ecosystem. And but I, but your so your point is very valid. I think it's very and it's funny because I haven't I haven't thought about that. I actually think the Xbox is going to trip themselves into a flip situation. So my answer to all the things that I've actually just asked you is that price wise, I see it being. I think four ninety nine is impossible. Yeah. But I think the Xbox is in a position they can, where they want to come back and win so much that they will take a loss. That they will not and not a hard loss. Yeah. But it's five forty nine seems extremely unreasonable to me. I don't. It's just to me, it's one of those weird things where launching a console at that kind of price is odd to me. I feel like you stick with the hundreds. Yeah, maybe a weird thing just for me. I don't want to say that that's true, but I've always felt like I feel like they typically come out with a six hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. Yeah, three hundred three when it came out was six hundred, right? Exactly, and there's a five hundred dollar variant or something like that. Right. Or it was six hundred and seven hundred. It was very expensive. Right. Okay, so here's my thing. Cost wise, looking at specs. And the fact that Xbox and PlayStation, uh, Xbox One and PlayStation Four, both released selling at a very mild profit, very mild, but yeah. a profit nonetheless, which is important because every generation before the the market for the business was Excuse sell me. the systems at a loss and make the money back on the games. Okay, well now it's smarter for business for them to make a little bit of money per console and and price them extremely close to what they pay. Uh, to to manufacture them and either take a very very small loss or a or actually make. A, a make you know bit. 13 bucks per console yeah, whatever it be a little bit okay so what it comes down to in that position is when you release a console 
going back to what you're talking about, worrying about previous generations and how they handled. Yeah. Looking at these specs, I think 600. Some people are putting out 700. I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's crazy, but I think it's 700. You could, and not everybody's going to want to do this, but every, but you could buy a gaming PC okay. that's going to have... That's going to come into my things real quick. Okay. So what I'm going to say is my opinion on it is that I think $600 is the most realistic price point. I think between what what is sellable... I said buy a gaming PC. I mean build a build gaming, a gaming PC. PC yeah. Okay, so don't buy one. I think $600, that's my first thing. And after the $600, I think you run into the issue of they come out, they go, here's a new system. Even calling it a new system, it doesn't matter. PlayStation came out. Here's PlayStation 3. This is what it's going to be. It's going to be $600. It's going to be $600. It's going to be the most powerful console out. It's going to be able to do all these crazy things. And, And it comes down to PlayStation 3 launches has a hell of a time. Nobody wants to buy a $600 console. It's tough. So do you think the market's really changed enough to where all these people are going to go, $600 console? Sure. It may be because I feel like we are very lucky and fortunate in our lives to be able to not have a thought about the price of things like that. Oh, of course. But um, there was a time when PS3 launched, I never I, thought I'd get one. Yeah. And somehow, my Back mom bought me one. And I know, never. I mean, full-time jobs now. and I'm surprised I wasn't walking to school in, in like a, a, a sheet <laughs> since, I, since I got the PlayStation. Well, yeah, and like right now, 600 bucks. I'd probably be... I would need to see something worth playing. Oh, sure. Because at the end of the day, Destiny Two is still gonna have PlayStation exclusives. Play, most PlayStation. likely, everything points to it. It's gonna also be the thing of where I can't find a 4K TV that's 27 inches. I like, and that's my preferred gaming style or my size. I don't like having a and you're not huge going to. TV. I don't think you're gonna find that, but you want you want 4K HDR realistically. Why not? HDR yeah, is. See, is, I'm not a huge huge fan of HDR yet. Yeah, but you, have, you, get, you haven't really seen it in yeah, action a whole gotta, lot. I gotta but get, at the same point, get to know it. But why not buy future proof technology at this point? Yeah, but but, here, but nobody's making 4K stuff that small anyway, unless you're doing gaming, PC uh, monitors, which you could yeah, do. Okay, but I'm gonna finish up my, my thing yeah, real ahead. quick if if you don't mind yeah, uh, me interjecting back into it. So I think six hundred dollars. Okay, the way that I think it it affects PlayStation, and the way I think I think it helps PlayStation that it's this expensive, and it's at this yeah. big of a kick. Because while you're while you're, I think you you do have something going. This is a new console. It, All right, everything points to it, and as long as they market it correctly, this is a new console. The flip side of that is getting the hands up on PlayStation. Of course, of course. But here's so you're looking at here's a new console. It's six hundred dollars. Games are starting to get that little bit of diminishing returns, where people who don't have that keen eye don't even notice the difference. That's one thing. And casual gamers make up the majority. Of, uh, they're, they're, it's one of those things. Casual gamers make or break a market. Yeah, I could kind of see that. I can also see though that the the person who, the enthusiasts who are willing, there to will be enthusiasts. Okay, so continuing through my point, and this is something I thought out very meticulously, and it's why I didn't talk to you about it the other day when we yeah. were texting. I wanted to save all this to where we're talking and kind of hearing each other's opinions, very, so that we can naturally react. Because I want that very natural. I want that. Um, but so six hundred dollars. I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself. No, you're fine. <laughs> but six hundred dollars. Here's the thing: they came out new console. They market it perfectly. $600. People look at this PS4 Pro and go, it's 4K too. Maybe not the exact same way, but I can't tell the difference. Yeah. and It's uh, HDR too. It's got all these great exclusives. Okay. That's SA1. 
there there's no there's not enough exclusives there's not enough games and there's not enough games coming this year or in the foreseeable future on micro on, on microsoft sides xbox side um that really matter enough for people to be like i'm excited about buying it and if they don't do the if they do what the ps4 pro did and there's no true exclusives which is what it sounds like they're talking about if it's just that the game is just dramatically better here but i can still play it on my xbox one what's my motivation to buy this new system yeah, and then that it makes that it makes that console market that much more smaller because people typically it takes that one game that they just absolutely cannot get on their last gen console for them to typically dive in and buy that new console. Now there's enthusiasts like me and you who buy console day one if possible. Yeah. Okay, and that that's fine. That's the way that works out. I have the money for it. It's my biggest hobby. It's the way I like to do it. So when you deal with that, now you're getting even less people who are going to buy this day one because they don't see the re- the reason. It's like what? So you're so let's just say they come out and go, Xbox One Scorpio launches this November with Halo Six. Seems extremely unlikely, but let's just say it. Yeah. Okay. So Halo Six, and they're like, it, it launches on Scorpio, plays better on Scorpio, best on Scorpio, but it's also releasing on Backwards Xbox One. Compatible. Yeah. And I don't even think it's backwards compatible. Oh, at that well, point. Yeah, I think I it's that's, yeah. I think it's that it's like a PC. It's like both the consoles are set up to where if you put the game in one, if you put the disc in one console, it understands the information and it plays with its specs. If you put it in this new console, it understands the information and it plays with its specs. And I do need much like a PC. I do need for me to consider a Scorpio at launch. Even consider. I don't care if all my friends go to desk or not. If it's not backwards compatible, I will not. Well, that's buy the thing. It. It, it it's going to be. Is that confirmed? I mean, they—I'm uh, pretty sure everything they've said is that it will play all Xbox One and even 360 games. Now that's interesting. And that, yeah, this was in the Digital Foundry thing. All Xbox One and Xbox 360 games—it so is confirmed. Okay, will re- will also receive boost as much in the way that oh, the PS4 Pro that, boost mode did, okay. works, where it, it'll stabilize frame rates. It's not going to give you extra frames. I do remember hearing that. It's not going to make a 30 frames per second game. 60, it's just going to make it not but drop. But it, it'll make it not drop as much. So anyway, so you see that it is backwards compatible. Sure. And I'm sure the PS5 will probably be the similar situation. I hope and that's so. what we're moving forward. But even if you hope so, it's that much less of a reason for someone to buy this new console. Right, because they're, what's the point of buying these games if I can just put on this cheaper one? Exactly, and yeah. one that you already have. Right. Okay, and so the bigger issue, going back to games, and what you've already said, that's what made me really want to get into it, definitely once you said there's no games right now. Microsoft made the biggest mistake, in my opinion, by making their games they on have. PC as well. Because here's the thing. The people who would be willing to sell out $600 for a console that has these kind of specs and want this kind of visual fidelity probably already have a gaming PC. Because well, if they want that kind of visual fidelity, most people, because it's always been that way, you have a PC that pulled that brute force out. Yeah. So if you've already got a PC capable of playing these games and Halo 6 comes out for Scorpio, but it also comes out on PC like all Xbox exclusives do now, yeah, it, well, why it, that makes that market is that gonna, much smaller? The people who want that power, who have a PC, will just buy it on their PC. Well, there is that group of people, and they're, t- who, and they're doing crossplay, so you can still play with your friends who have an Xbox. They're, it's that much smaller. There is that group of people though who don't want to be bothered to build a computer. Of and course, they don't. but how big is that group? Honestly, I as don't much think as it's I, that big. I think it's a lot bigger than the people who are willing to build a computer. I don't know, man. I, I, unfortunately, because I'd much rather you know build your own computer and you save money and you console, get to know how to console do players it. have typically loved the the fact that you just buy a console and it's that. Right, and that's the thing is that if and you, PS perfect example PS2 weaker than GameCube, weaker than the Xbox, still still sold boatloads, sold more than every other console that generation combined. Yeah, that's also over a, double that. I'd say that's a different like financial area, though. <laughs> well, not necessarily. It came down to... A, there was a lot of things. Obviously, the DVD player being in it was a big boon to its yep. success. But it came down to PlayStation had the games. 
Yeah, and I just think that they're... Uh, PlayStation had Grand Theft Auto before everybody else. That's true. Had Kingdom Hearts. Had Metal Gear Solid. Now, obviously, that's not what we're dealing with now, but it is a similar situation. PlayStation has true exclusives. Yeah, and see, the thing... Xbox does not have what you could consider a true console exclusive. It just doesn't exist. And see, I really think that Microsoft really, really screwed themselves up. When they did that, when they said, you know, you can play Quantum Break on PC, it's smart and it's bad because it gives them a bigger total market. It means that their Xbox market and their Microsoft market come back together, and they slumped off PC gaming so hard in the 360 era. Coming back to it is is odd, but it's it's like kind of cool of them too. It's like oh, all these people that loved you before you went to become a console only kind of people are coming back. Yeah, and see, there is a thing though where. With $600, this is just an example because this is the, we're just going to say that's how much the Scorpio costs. You can build a gaming PC that can play the newest Halo. And PCs are naturally backwards compatible. Yeah. You know what I mean? Emulators, there's Steam, you know, Steam has all kinds of stuff on Steam. We're not going to get emulators because there's moral gray ground there. But talking about naturally, a lot of games are just on there. Um and it comes down to I'm not going to say it's immoral emulating is a weird thing but that's a different topic it depends it depends on yeah. It depends it's a weird topic it's not worth getting it into so what I mean though still is that those markets start to clash and those markets are not I don't even think they're big enough people who are going to play on PC are typically going to stay on PC there's more control yeah so that's another thing is that there's still going to be less control on the, on the Scorpio it seems highly likely unless they start letting you do sliders and like stuff upgrades but it seems and, yeah. very unlikely so where I think this stands is I think A it puts PlayStation in a position of power. Yes, the PS4 Pro is not as strong. That's just it. Yeah. Okay, the PS4 Pro is not as strong, but it still does 4K to an extent, some right. form or fashion, and it's very hard to notice the difference between native and this. You know, if you're taking an 1800p image and end up scaling it to 4K with checkerboard rendering, which is a good, a solid format to do that in, and it gives you good results. The people who want the 4K and who can't really tell the difference, bam. They, they see, well, why do that if I can get this console here that's $200 cheaper that does it? Yeah, okay? I think that it's... And uh, then you deal with the fact that, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, I, just, I want to get the, the thought through. Uh, you deal with that group of people who go, okay, PS4 Pro is $400, and it does all the same things that the Scorpio purports to do. Okay? Yeah. Uh, as well as playing all normal PS4 games, just like the Scorpio will play all Xbox One games. Okay. So when you're dealing with that, you're, you're dealing with a group of people who go, I'm going to spend $200 less and get a similar-ish console. Secondary thing is PlayStation has been just shoving it down. Games, 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 games. Like I said, they have true exclusives. They're pushing things here. Yeah. They're showing. Here's God of War. It looks beautiful on normal PS4. Buy it on normal PS4. But guess what? If you want that 4K treatment, you want that crazy shit, buy, buy the new God of War for Pro. Buy a Pro. You know what I mean? And you're buying the same game regardless. So it's even smarter. I bought a Pro and I was able to play all these old games. Uncharted suddenly looked and felt entirely different. Yeah. Ratchet and Clank, beautiful. Crazy updates. And for $100 more than what a PS3 cost at the time it launched, and actually for the same price as a PS4 cost when it launched, which is smart. The Scorpio is not launching at the same price as the Xbox One did when it launched, unless it does launch for $500 because that's how much the Xbox costs. Yeah, and that'll be uh, definitely interesting. Um, I think only time can truly tell, but I think that there is so many different categories of these gamers that it's really, really hard to tell right now. It is, but I guess my thing is that I feel like this doesn't affect PlayStation as much as it could have. Yeah, and... Because I feel like a lot of what they're doing is alienating themselves so far away from the people that PlayStation would have been worried about getting. So, what I'm saying is, like, uh, 
the people who are going to want to spend that six hundred dollars is an entirely different market. The the pro is more of the market that you're going after. People who want these specs and want these numbers, but they don't want to spend that much. That's another reason that people don't do PC gaming. It's so expensive. They don't want to spend that much, and they still want they still want the results. The PS4 well, Pro does have 4K, does have HDR, does have improved frame rates, does have better particle effects in certain games. The games are seeing upgrades that are noticeable, and it's four hundred dollars. It's a safer bet. When you're when you're looking at that, I, what I think this means is that while PlayStation could come out at E3 or their own event, announce the PlayStation Five this year or early next year, yeah, they don't have to. Well, That's the thing. Now they don't have to, in my opinion. I get what you're saying about possibly losing a year's worth of footing on the new generation, but generations as we know them are already gone. Yeah, and I'm I'm not entirely sure if I like that or not. I don't know, I don't know I that like I do either. Half generation consoles, thing but at the same out. time, I don't know the Xbox can be the Xbox One Scorpio can be can be considered a half generation console. The, oh the, yeah, the Pro is. Yeah, but that was also just and the Xbox One S. That's true because it does have an updated uh, CPU, I believe, is what it is. That's true, but it also um, costs the same and, and the four K player. So who knows? But more of what I'm getting into is I think that while PlayStation could, because technically what the Scorpio is doing is it's unthroning, it's deceding PlayStation Four as the most powerful console. PlayStation 4 was more powerful than the Xbox One, and the PS4 Pro was definitely more powerful than the Xbox One S. Yeah. So what we're dealing with now is Microsoft is coming back and going, we are the most powerful console. But does that matter at this point? Yeah, you need PlayStation it. has gotten so much goodwill from gamers. They have all these numbers they're going after. I mean, people are buying these things and fucking crazy. I mean, if you've looked, the Xbox One numbers have, have begun even harder because they were mixing them in with 360 sales and they've become harder and harder and they don't even talk about them near as much. PlayStation consistently updates. Uh, I would say by now, last I think last time I checked in, they were at 57 million and that's been months ago. Well, so they're highly over 60 at this point. They're well on way to go to where the PS3 was and 360 was, which is around 80 million. All right, And they're, pro- they're highly likely to break 100 million, which is already very rare. There's yeah. only a few consoles that have done that. Uh, PS1, PS2, I want to say the Super Nintendo or the Nintendo, one of the two, got that high. I think it's Super Nintendo, yeah. Every Nintendo sold worse than the one before it. So Which it's probably crazy. the Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, the Game Boy sold pretty high, and I know the DS sold extremely well. The DS is up there, and the Wii is up there in the in the thing. But if we were talking about consoles and not handhelds, I guess that's a yeah. different market. PS2 is 150 million, somewhere around there. PS1's over 100. I think it's around 102. Um, the Wii is up there for like 120 or something like that. So you're looking at very rare company, and it's over 100 million mark. The PS4 is already looking to hit. Yeah, I don't see it slowing down. They've got the games that are true exclusive that will keep people coming. Xbox and, and on PC or Microsoft in general do not have The Last of Us. They don't have these things that you can only play on their console. Yeah. This is going to hurt them. PlayStation can double down and go, hey, look, we may not have the most powerful console anymore, yeah, but we still got the best games. And yeah. here's the thing. A lot of their games, I guarantee The Last of Us 2 looks better than anything that comes out around its time. I guarantee it. The well, Last of Us, when it came out on PS3, looked better than most PC games. Yeah, and, and this was on fucking eight-year-old hardware. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it kind of it comes add, down to how well that consoles let you sit there and really craft an experience because you're, they're all playing on the same system. This is optimized as you can get. It's clean. Naughty Dog are masterclass developers. They've got the money they need to do this. They've got the backing of Sony. They can make this masterclass game. I don't think Microsoft has that. They don't have a Naughty Dog. They don't even have a Sucker Punch. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't have these studios that can come out and go, here's our game. You're already excited for it. You don't even have to know what it is yet. Yeah. And see, well, and see, that's the thing is that I think that time will show that you cannot release a console mm. with no games to play on it. And 
a lot of people will say that about PS4. A lot of people will still say that Bloodborne is the only exclusive we're playing on the PS4 instead of Uncharted or Horizon even. I feel like that's changed. And, Early generation, that that could have been true depending on your taste. I love Knack, which is like a crazy weird thing for people. I love Knack. I thought that Killzone was an amazing game, and I loved the Killzone series before, and it was a good way to do it. I thought it was just a great game. Right. All right, then we come out with The Order. I love The Order. Yeah. And it got critically planned, uh, panned, but I think it's one of those things where... When you know what you're looking for, and it's, it's all just what speaks to you gaming-wise. Right. I thought that that order was very much along the lines of Uncharted, but I think people wanted it to be something different. Uh, but going on from there, Ratchet & Clank, Until Dawn, there's all these sleeper hits that PlayStation yeah. had this generation that have just blown the hell up. Obviously, Bloodborne was amazing. Yeah. And I guarantee you there's going to be another Bloodborne. Just guarantee it. So that's what I'm saying. PlayStation has the ability to come here and go... Here's all of our games. Here are the games that you can't play on Xbox. Doesn't matter how strong their system is. And they're not going to say it that way. They're just going to say, hey, remember, yeah. we're the system and, that has games. Mean, we're the system that has games. Right. And we're so, all about games. And uh, what I think is going to happen is that it's going to branch people off. And it's going to do... Xbox is going to come out. So people are going to say, why do I buy this over PS4 Pro? Then you can't get game exclusivity with some of these games like Destiny 2 or Call of Duty. Unless... Uh, call it is Sledgehammer this time unless they change something with their they're not Activision's in bed with Sony okay well it's all gonna end up being we'll see an E3 Halo I guess, Forza Gears of War and they need something to surprise ha- everybody Halo is gonna be coming soon Crackdown I think they purposely held back for the Scorpio because they keep thinking it's releasing this year but they won't show anything about it okay um, I think that the whole cloud computing thing, I think it's probably just dead in the water. I don't think it, they were hyping it for so long. I don't think it matters. So it still comes down to Xbox has had all these whimsical things. They've, they, their, their claim to games is gone. They canceled Scalebound. Scalebound was a game that could have pulled in a Japanese audience. And that's kind of sad. It had been one new IP. Yeah, it would have been something different. I was on really Xbox. looking forward to that game. Quantum Break was very different for Xbox. Yeah, that's true. But I, it didn't I, perform I very well. You play that. I'm... It didn't perform very well. Game did not sell that well. Great game. Critically, did pretty well. Did not sell that well because it was stranded on a system that just a doesn't have gamers that want to play that type of game, and that's because they've cultivated themselves as this people that just play shooters and racers. That's it. I mean, that's very much what they've made themselves. And I would love to see them break out of that. And I think Scalebound would have been a way to do it. Yeah. Um, see, that's the thing is our Xbox. Needs and I think Quantum Break was a way to do it, but it's got to be slow, and they can't expect big numbers from these games. Um, Tomb Raider sold a lot. Uh, Tomb Raider is a big franchise, and it sold much less than expected because they put it on a system that a the majority of people who played the first Tomb Raider bought it and played it on PlayStation consoles. Yeah, uh, that's the first Tomb Raider reboot. So stranding that game onto a system that had le- the lesser amount of people that backed it in the first place was kind of an odd decision. But you get enough money thrown at you, it makes sense. But it goes to show pl- that Xbox is still not completely rewarded, even with Sp- Phil Spencer coming in. They still haven't shaken that initial thing, and they still that initial stigma about their system being only really about media and all this other crap. They haven't been able to completely pick up that games, games, games thing, and they were getting close and then starting to fall apart. Yeah, and they, that's what I'm interested. They cancel in. Fable Legends. They close down the studio. Yeah, and that's all right. Really they cancel Scalebound. Yeah, that's something I wasn't excited for. And me too. And I just think in general, my thought was okay. The PlayStation gets this crazy exclusive in near, and that looks beautiful and looks really great. And then Xbox will get Scalebound, and it kind of balances the scales. That's gone. I think what I'm getting at is that the only here are the options in my opinion. I think. I think what you really actually see Sony do, Scorpio comes out, Sony goes, we're selling the Pro for 300 350 one of the two. Yeah. Makes that price difference even bigger, right? Because I think that's the first thing you do. I think that the Pro being on the market for a whole year before Scorpio is even set to launch gives it an advantage. P- 
people it gives them room to drop that price. Yeah, and it gives it them, gives them, it gives them, it gave them market penetration. People have bought the pro now instead of the Scorpio because Scorpio wasn't around. Yeah, and and if the Scorpio comes out and like I said, if these people who bought the pro can't see the difference that much, they're going to remain happy. So what I think this does is it lets PlayStation hold off on the PS5 until 2019 at the earliest. Excuse me. And I really think you see them either announce it in a similar way to where the PlayStation 4 was, here's February, here's the PlayStation event, November the same the, the November of the same year console releases. Right. I think you see a similar situation. Or you see a situation where it's late 2018, they talk about it, and then around summer or somewhere around spring of, uh, of 2019, they release the PS5. That's the earliest I can see them doing yeah. it. Yeah, and this whole Scorpio... And I think that's smart. A, it gives them time to make the console they need to go against Scorpio. Yeah, and make it more powerful. And if they keep their head straight and don't and don't get cocky from them doing so well this year or this generation, and that could be that. Hopefully if they keep them. their messaging straight and they keep their console straight, and they come out and they really go, "Hey, here's our new system. It has the same message as PS4. We are here to play games, and we're just giving you the best console that we can for you to be able to play those games." And along with that, here's all these new games. And part of me really wants to see them say that you can only play on PS5. Um, but regardless of whether that happens or not, I think that it comes down to a point where PlayStation's safe to not have to respond in any other form or fashion other than a price drop of the PS4 Pro just to go, hey, look, we have a power a console that can do mostly the same thing for uh, for $300 cheaper. If the Xbox co- does come out at $600 and then they drop the PS4 Pro price down to, to 300 half. yeah. That's, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, and the whole thing is is, is really Tom. Um, it's really hard to. It is, and it depends on how situation. the it depends on how Xbox markets. That's a very important right, thing. Yeah, but I think that what this means for Sony and for gaming as a whole is that it's not going to be the shakeup, at least initially. That it seems like it could be because of the way that that Microsoft ends up having to play the market. Got it. Yeah, I think that, makes that sense. I think that if roles were flipped and this is PlayStation coming out saying, hey here's our console and Microsoft are the ones that had the Xbox one pro that this would be an entirely different situation. Cause PlayStation come out and go, here's our new console. Here's all of our exclusives. That you can only play on this console. Yeah. So and people go shit. We need it. Yeah. We and need that, it. And uh, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't think that that I can't say that the same is true for Microsoft. And I don't think that they, it's weird cause Sony for the longest time didn't have an IP that was as big as Halo, but Halo's actually kind of dropped off. Halo is not what it once was. It's massively dropped off. Halo 5. I, it's still massive. And I still say, me. I still say if they come out in uh, E3 and go, Hey, Scorpio launch title Halo six, or at least really close to launch launch window, it'll be a big boon for them. Maybe it's because, but I, it'll be a bigger boon if they go, this is not going to be on computer. This is going to be on Xbox One yeah. and Xbox One Scorpio. I don't know if it's just because I'm a Halo purist, but Halo Reach, Halo 5, just not, not two games I was interested in. Um, Halo Reach, I played only with friends and only because of friends. Halo 5, I played the zombie infection Well, see, and Uncharted just continues to grow. Uncharted, I think, is as big as Halo now. And I think with God of War, all the hype behind God of War... I don't know if that is. I don't know if that's true or not. Though, I guess because... when I say that, I'm saying now. I would I, I would actually go as far to say that Uncharted right now versus Halo right now, Uncharted's more popular than Halo, I think. It may be more popular, but I don't think it has as long... Like, the the, long, the legacy like, will be different. I'm talking about just the life left in the series. Like, I think that oh, no matter yeah, what... Oh, yeah, but you, Xbox is going... I mean, play, uh, my, my assumption, and from what I've seen so far, Microsoft's going to run Halo under the ground. If they keep doing it this way, they will. They will. They will. <laughs> if it keeps following Halo 5's footsteps. They, they will. Uh, I mean, and it, it's basically inevitable, because it's one of the few series they have that can pull the way they want yeah. it to. PlayStation is constantly making new ones. PlayStation gets The Last of Us. The Last of Us sells extremely well. It sells better than it any of the Uncharted games. Fun multiplayer, yes. 
Uh, and it does. There's a different breed of gamers. There's a lot of places. You know, PlayStation has become more multiplayer focused since God, since Call of Duty's over here now as uh, as an exclusive content, right? And more people bought it. Generally, it's the bigger. So, but you know, naturally, I think originally you were looking at games that were very much here's a very unique single player experience, possibly co op experience. But we're not worried about co op about multiplayer as much. That's changing this generation, and I'd like to see how it continues to go. But I do think that there are enough people that are so into PlayStation right now and PlayStation so has done so well this generation and this generation hasn't worn on like the PS3 360 generation has. No, not really. So since that not... hasn't happened, I think PlayStation keeps its goodwill. Yeah, and... Uh... And, and, and has the time before the PS5 releases and before they even have to show their hand. I think that the Scorpio is not forcing PlayStation to do anything. I think PlayStation can literally do nothing and they're still fine. I think the business-wise decision that they'll really make is to drop the price on the Pro to start to show how stark the contrast is. And here's this console, half the price of the of the Scorpio, and can do can give you similar output. Yeah. If they do that, and that's and they really nail that message home, that that's a new marketing point for the Pro. The Pro had a hard marketing point before because it was like. Well, you know, 4K TVs aren't that big. But now with the Scorpio coming out, there's going to be more proliferation for 4K TVs. 4K TVs are starting to be made and 1080p TVs are being waved out or are being, you know, slowly phased out anyway. Yeah, so you're going to see an, you're going to see an uptick in that. This has been a little long in the nose and I didn't want it to necessarily be this long, but I do oh, think yeah. it's an extremely interesting conversation to have. But my final on it is basically that I don't believe that the Scorpio affects PlayStation at all. I think it comes down to where as long as PlayStation makes smart business moves in a in a timely manner that they can get a, a better hand on the Scorpio but I think that they have a safe hand right now making no making no changes yeah and see and I think that there's obviously more to learn once we see the box once we know the price once we know the name once we know the marketing plan all those might change and Xbox could come out to just blow up and if they do that does leave Sony and I guarantee you Sony's always r and there's a PS5 now guarantee it but they're probably not finalized. That's interesting to think about. And it comes down to when they decide they want to release is going to determine what the final specs are going to be. Yeah. And, so uh, if, if the Scorpio comes out and blows up, PlayStation will react. If it blows up and it goes really big, PlayStation will go, okay, we've got to finish r and the PS5. We're going to talk about it. These are the specs we're going to give. And, then, and, and that will hurt them because they'll be late to the game regardless because just... It's going to happen, but I don't think that happens. I don't think there's any world where that really happens. It'll be an interesting waiting game to wait and see what happens. But I guess what we're going to have to do is kind of do an update video on this as more information is given. And once PlayStation does whatever responses they have uh, in the coming months... And it'll be really interesting. It's probably going to be probably a year from now when we can really look at a difference. certainly around E3. True. Just about info. True. To see it, because PlayStation could come out and, and do their response and rebuttal at E3. But you just don't know. Yeah, and see, my whole thing is is that I don't think Sony's going to be worried about it. I think that unless something is to shift dramatically in Xbox's ecosystem... Definitely at E3. Yeah, they're not going to... Nothing's really going to change until then, but yeah. uh, it's certainly fun to think about and certainly um, something that time will definitely tell us. Yeah, 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 I agree. Uh, well, we hope that this episode's been fun for y'all to listen to and watch. This is actually an episode I was excited to do. Yeah. Uh, I messaged him earlier in the week. I was like, hey, what if we do this? And he seemed pretty keen on it. And then oh, it, yeah. the, the cards played in our favor. We got to see specs. Uh, we got a kind of idea of what we're looking at. We have speculated pricing, which is pretty interesting. Um, anyway, this is kind of the stuff I like about this. I mean, I know our first episode was our gaming first with PlayStation and I like that and I feel like it was important but I do want to do a little more of these speculation episodes talking about 
the way that the market will react to things, games and things like that. So for future episodes, we definitely have a lot of plans and stuff like that. But if there's ever anything that you want us to talk about, uh, feel free to comment. Um, if you like this video, please drop a subscribe uh, and give us a like on the video. It really helps us to know that we're doing what we need to do to kind of get what y'all want out of this video. And uh, it, you know, if this is too long, let us know. Uh, this is episode ended up being, I bet you, pretty long. I think um, around two hours. Yeah, but it's it's been extremely fun, so it's yeah. okay. Um, what I think moving forward is that we're going to do similar episodes to this. Uh, we did a small change up to the beginning structure of this, but yeah. I thought it felt a little bit better, um, and it was a little more fun. We're obviously growing this ourselves, but we'd love to grow it with y'all. Uh, please remember, we like we said, we record pretty much every Saturday, and we're going to drop every Monday, twelve p.m. or you know twelve noon CST. 10 a.m. PST, um, and you can just figure out the rest from that. Um, like we said, we just want to talk about things that y'all would like to hear us talk about. We have our own ideas, uh, but also, we will definitely move those around if we come up. If someone gives us a, a, a an idea for something that we find a little more pulling, um, we're also on most podcast services. Oh yeah, we yeah. Have in the link. yeah, we are an audio format on um, on Google Play Music, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, most services we're trying to get on spotify it's hard so you can listen however you want to and share it however you want to if you do listen to the audio podcast please subscribe to us on there so again that we kind of have an idea uh if you want to comment on it on soundcloud that'd be fantastic um but until next week and hopefully some more crazy stuff happens and we have a better episode next week as well um that's true this has been triangle squared thank, thank you guys you.